The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the peace Yes, sir. It's All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Ward, elated tonight to bring you two men who make up the Feeling Dangerous podcast. Zach DeFranco and Alex Sapolin will join me shortly here. It's a uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, Feeling Dangerous collaboration. You start getting excited. And there it is. We are back in full effect. I'm Brad Ward. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. I am excited to bring on the members of the Feeling Dangerous podcast here in just one second. But first, you can catch all of our episodes at All Eyes on Cleveland, where all popular podcasts are found. iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play. Plus, tomorrow morning will be published at USA Today Sports Media Groups, thebrownswire.com, and you can always visit our webpage, alleyesoncleveland.com. This is a show where we interview the top personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns. And who better to do that tonight with than two members of... The Feeling Dangerous podcast. I am absolutely thrilled to invite them on board. It's a collaboration. You heard it here first. Welcome to the show, Zach and Alec. How are we doing, gentlemen? Doing good, man. How are you doing tonight? I am excellent. I am excited. Uh, very excited. Alec, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us on once again. We're very excited. This has been a couple of weeks into the making, I have to say. We've all been really anxious, really excited, and we're here. We are here, Internet. We are here. We are in full force, and we are ready to go. It's happening. Oh, shite, like you said. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> Zach, <laughs> Zach DeFranco, uh, at Clee. Zach D on Twitter is a must follow, as is Alex Zappelin at Alex S A P O L I N Zappelin. I said that correct again, sir, right? I didn't screw it up this time. You did. All right, very good. They are members of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. Let's start with this. And first, before I go any further, you can make sure to follow the actual podcast on Twitter at D Podcast C. L E. Um, so, gentlemen, uh, let's start here uh, with you, Zach, and and Alec. Uh, we'll start with Zach, though. I have logo envy of you guys. Major <laughs> logo envy. You guys' logo is by far the best in town. How, I appreciate that. Who came up that. with it? Who did it? It's amazing. Baker Mayfield, uh, Shat getting a beer. It's awesome. So, actually, Alec's going to have to say his last name. I always mess it up, but um. He's from Big Play, so it's Cody. 
It's Cody Dauk, the director of merchandising for BigPlate.com. Um, we reached out to him, and we had this idea. That the original podcast logo was, I believe, Eric Metcalf, if, if I'm not mistaken, right, Zach? Yeah, it was. It was Eric Metcalf uh, running running over the Pittsburgh Steelers, basically. So, Yeah. We had Eric on the show. I don't know if you guys saw that. And yeah, uh, actually was nice enough to uh, sport one of my T-shirts and, and post it on Twitter. So pretty cool. That's awesome, dude. That is yeah. awesome. Uh, he's an awesome guy. Uh, anyways, uh, that's my favorite me- uh, Browns memory, by the way, the, the two uh, runbacks against Pittsburgh for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, not many to uh, hang hang your head on, but that's one of them. Uh, oh, but yeah, absolutely. so. So absolutely love the logo, right? So, and you guys normally, you guys have three guys normally uh, hosting your show. Tell me how this all came together for you guys, the podcast. So actually, uh, I kind of uh, came up with the idea, I guess you could say, during this whole quarantine situation we're all going through, unfortunately. And um, so me and my friend Bobby, we uh, started it up. And we had no clue what we were going to do. We do not know how to edit. You know, we, we didn't we didn't have any equipment yet. We kind of just on the limb started it up to just become a hobby. And um, we started with, OK, how do we get some, you know, some traction, some followers? And we did a Baker Mayfield jersey giveaway. And Alec will be the first to admit he followed us because of that Baker Mayfield jersey giveaway. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> and um, awesome. yeah, so. Alec actually messaged us and, uh, you know, at that time I was checking all my DMs. I was checking all the Twitter notifications and uh, he was like, hey, you know, I have experience with big play and that stood out to me. And he goes, if you guys need help with editing and being on the podcast, I I would love to help. And I jumped right on it. I messaged him back. I said, dude, we would love to have you on board. Got to know him a little more. We met for uh, how long would you want to say, Alec, like two or three weeks before we actually put out the first show? Yeah, two Two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then the rest is history, man. The rest is history. Now, uh, where can tell everybody where they can find your show? Just where on all the platforms where all the popular podcasts are found? Um, actually, we're yeah, all right now. We're, yeah, Spotify and Apple. So that's okay. what and Podbean too. Okay. Spotify, Apple, Podbean, the two main ones, right? Spotify and mm-hmm. Apple. And uh, that they automatically get you to about another hundred places. So, uh, and Pod being so sweet, we're you know this is awesome. As as you mentioned, we uh, it's been a couple weeks in the making, and I am totally excited because you know it, it, this first time. Let's see, first time I've been doing this show, I've had uh, more than just two people on the air at the same time. So how about that little round table action? Fire there it up. you go. Let's get it going. Uh, so we got all kinds of topics to get into tonight. We're gonna make this one a good one. But let's take care of some Browns business right off the top here, okay? Browns opt-outs, right? Drew Forbes and Drake Dorbeck? Yeah, that tackle. Wasn't he a tackle or something? Yeah, he's a tackle. So I reached out to my boss and asked him because I couldn't find it anywhere. Forbes is a high-risk opt-out, which means he gets the 350 k and it will count as a accrued season now this this rules are really screwed so that that means screwed up because if you're a high risk it counts as an accrued season if you're not high risk and it's a voluntary opt-out you only get 150k and they take it out of your salary and it doesn't count against your you know your future seasons 
Hmm. So, so strangely enough, so that'll be that'll count as against Forbes's years uh, with the Browns, you know, because a couple guys. I know the guy that drafted him isn't here anymore, but they had high hopes for Forbes, right? I would think, right, Alex? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they had pretty high hopes into into it. I believe it was under Dorsey, I think, that it was. Yeah, That's, yeah it was a Dorsey. That, yeah, that was a Dorsey. You know, Dorsey, the evil genius slash mastermind, kind of turned into a unfortunate failed experiment with Freddie Kitchens. Um, yeah. yeah. We have highlights and lowlights of, Jack, of John Dorsey. This time I'm thinking Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. Sorry, um, <laughs> we. Uh, the thing is, you know, we had a lot of high risk, high reward players, and I believe this is a high risk, low reward player. You know, high risk, high reward. Baker Mayfield, high risk, high, re- high reward. Trading Jabril Peppers and Kevin Zeitler to the Giants for Olivier Vernon, and you know that guy that wears 13. You know, does the whip here and there, does the nay nay here and there. Yeah. Uh, he can dance, that's for sure. I'd like to see him catch more touchdowns, but that's all right. Um, It'll happen. It'll happen. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, so, And then the other bit of business with the Browns is, of course, the uh, reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard, Javante Moffitt, and people absolutely totally overreacting. Losing their minds on Twitter about Jamie Gillum being put I'm, on this list. I'm one of them. Me too. You guys are upset about this? Well, oh, yeah. Man. Wait, he's got to uh, be back by the time the season starts. I just feel I, so bad, man. I just feel so bad. Yeah, I feel I feel bad. But, like, I know my Scottish hammer will be kicking balls off the, sun, off the sunset once again. But, I mean... I looked at it. I was I was just getting ready for work, and I was making a quick bite to eat before I went down to the office. And I go, no, not Jamie. Why Jamie? <laughs> hey, it's a good thing. Listen, he doesn't need to do anything in training camp. He gets True. it out of the way now. He'll be fine. The first 20 days are allocated to just lifting weights. He doesn't need to lift weights. I mean, he's already jacked. He's a punter. You know, so, I mean— he doesn't just just let him. He'll go through it. He'll come out on the other end just fine, and then he doesn't have to worry about getting it the rest of the season. Yeah, it's very true. That's the way I look at it. Now, Dontrell Hilliard, though, I will say this could hurt him because yeah. they got a couple UDFA's that I like. I don't know if you guys have been you know paying attention to this or talked about UDFA's at all, but this Benny Lemay kid. Um, and then uh, Brian Harrion from Georgia are a yeah, couple I like nice, him. yeah, definitely a couple nice backs that could challenge him, you know, for that third running back spot. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean that you you we all know about the Georgia backs. You know, one of them is our star back in oh, uh, sure. Nick Chubb. So, I mean, th- th- this kid definitely got a good highlight reel on him. So that Brian Harrion, I, I think he can be. Um, I mean, other than Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think he can be a good special teams player, too. Yeah. Alec, uh, thought on running back three position for the Browns? It's it's a very tough situation because, we like Zach alluded to, Georgia produces running backs. I think they're, you know, close to being RBU only, you know, to Ohio State with Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins. You know, they produce some 
damn good backs with Nick Chubb, obviously our Cleveland Browns, Sonny Michelle of the New England Patriots, uh, Todd Gurley of formerly the Los Angeles Rams, now a, an Atlanta Falcon. So we know the type of players that come out of Georgia with, you know, in, at the running back position. But when it comes to this Georgia back, I hope that we can see something. But also, I want Dontrell Hilliard. So it's it's almost a rock and a hard place, if you will, because you have you know you have expectations of of a veteran of the team, but you also have high hopes for a rookie a rookie looking to prove himself. Yeah, it's a good point. So you would just like to see Hilliard stay, though. You like what he he provides, Alec. Yeah, I do. He's a he's a good fast running back, and you know we have really fast running backs. You know RBs one and two with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but you know right. we should still have running back death. Maybe you know we convert uh, Dontrell Hilliard into an H back where he can where he can go out wide or in the slot. Even though that's yeah. more of a Jarvis Landry territory, but you know, if Jarvis needs a player to to rest after catching all of those touchdowns, then you know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be shocked if Cream uh, Hunt turns into that H back now. Yeah, I was actually just going to mention that because just because of lack of touches, you know, they're going to have yeah. a hard time distributing the ball to all these guys. Uh, they're going to try to take every chance they can, I, I think, to get Kareem the ball, you know, without just hand, turning around and handing it to him because he's only going to get a few of those a game, I think. Yeah. I mean. Um, guys, uh, you, real quickly here, uh, real quick, Alec, you're in Oregon, sir? Yes, I am. What are you doing in Oregon, Alec? I am, well, I'm a student here at the University of Oregon, go Ducks. You know, oh. I'm obviously following my boy Justin Herbert, Herbie Heisman, as we call him here in Oregon, because he is the academic Heisman. Um, we, uh, <laughs> you know, but this summer I'm he's not the Rose Bowl Heisman, though. Oh, shut up! <laughs> no, but um, I'm just working out here, and then I plan on coming back to Cleveland for about ten days here very soon. Then I'm back on the grind for my senior year of college. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, go Ducks. They got the uh, best uniforms in college football. If, <laughs> yes, if they, they do. If they uh, have a season. Yeah, I hope they have a season. Yeah, I, I think they probably will. Too much money to to not get it done, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and so Blaze a gold mine right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach, where are you, sir? I am 30 minutes uh, northeast of Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. So I live I live in the Menor area. I was gonna say, is that in the middle of the lake somewhere? I'm not sure. Yeah, I live in Lake Erie with a uh, Sir Yacht. Sir <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Yacht for the bar show. Yeah, no. Uh, you, you guys have are friends with Sir Yacht. I I have I had Sir Yacht on the show too. Yeah, he, he's he's amazing, man. He's awesome. I'm yeah, proud of good. him. He's he's made. He's a good cat. I. Uh, actually wrote with him a long time ago long time ago years ago we both wrote together at the same website it's still around cleveland sports talk but um yeah way way back then he uh he wrote uh sports columns there and that's how i met him and then now he's this hilarious dude just you know putting out content left and right and, and i hate songs the- playing pianos going through taco bell 
And, you know, I hate to do this on your show, but I have to give him a shout-out. He just landed a huge uh, paid advertisement with Johnsonville for some, some for, I believe, some sausage product. I joked with him, and I said, what are you, the king of the glizzies now? He's the glizzy king. Wow. That's funny. That is funny. I'll have to say congratulations as well. So, Zach, you're a mentor then. That's correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Just just getting a you know grasp on where everybody's at located. I'm in Cuyahoga Falls. Okay. Right. Awesome. You guys, know, you guys know where that is? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm I'm from Bainbridge, so I know okay. exactly where that is. Yeah, little, uh, just about you know runs right into Akron. Yeah. Uh, so about forty minutes south, straight south of Cleveland. So that that's where we are. Got a uh, little homemade. Uh, studio going on here I spent this uh pandemic you know putting up uh sound pads and everything so we did it up right here in the house so turned the uh the uh office into a little studio action it's kind of nice that's awesome my studio has all has been and always will be my room that's how it was when i started with big play and that's how it is now i'm just sitting at my at my collegiate apartment desk on my on my college laptop doing all these shows and it's a hell of a lot of fun so you uh you know all the guys over at big play those guys are good guys i'm friends with some of them that you did you enjoy your time there or no i loved it i loved it and you know i i i actually spoke with big play dave two weeks ago and you know it was like we didn't miss a beat you know he is an amazing human being yeah, um, you know, Reflog18, Chris McNeil, he's awesome. Um, Breezy Clee, Brace, he's awesome. Uh, Sir Yacht, obviously, he's a part of the Big Play universe now as well, as he had just joined the Moving the Chains podcast, which is a Peyton Hillis podcast. Um, you know, I'm talking to all a lot of them, and, you know, it's it's always been good and good vibes with them. Definitely, definitely. Big Play Dave, a really nice guy. Always liked Reflog. The only thing I ever got mad at him about was... I don't, even, I don't even bring it up. The parade pissed, really pissed me off. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I just was so anti that. I but but yeah, I get it. it you know, it was funny at the same time, but you know, it was uh, also infuriating. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland and the Feeling Dangerous podcast. It's a collaboration. You heard it here first. We're doing it. It's for real. And you're listening to it. Uh, I'm Brad Ward. Zach DeFranco and Alex Saplin are on the line. They are from Feeling Dangerous podcast, where you can uh, listen to that at Apple or Spotify. Uh, and we'll have this uh, podcast out tomorrow at USA Today Sports Media Group, thebrownswire.com, so you can listen to it there for sure. Uh, gentlemen, let's get into some of this stuff here, okay? So... Uh, we just paid Miles Garrett five years, $125 million. Great job. Well done, Andrew Barry. And then Joey Bosa beats him by $2 million guaranteed. That, How about that, that slide? That's what I was going to say, Brad. That, that Now <laughs> Miles Garrett's looking like a bargain, isn't he? I mean, right? Yeah, seriously. What is and Miles Garrett's Brad? about a D end. Yeah, serious. Yeah. He is. You know, Joey's brother is better than him, in my yeah. opinion. 
Oh, um, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so they, they they upped him by 10 overall and 2 on the guaranteed side. So uh, squeezing it over to make him the most highest-paid uh, player for however long that lasts. But uh, sticking to Miles, you're happy with that deal, right? I mean, Oh, absolutely. Guy, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm happy. Uh, Andrew Barry's. I'm happy we got a brain in the front office right now. Um, so getting that deal done now, not waiting, you know, uh, to see, you know, believing in Miles too. So definitely, yeah, after you know, after all the nonsense of last year, it. Uh, I'm glad that Andrew Barry wasn't, uh, you know, knocked off of that. Uh, de- or deterred from paying him because of the uh, helmet incident. You know that's we know that's not Miles Garrett. So um, yeah, the, you know the actual Miles Garrett. Uh, so I'm glad that he wasn't deterred from that. Andrew Barry's done a hell of a job in my opinion so far. What do you think, Alec? Yeah, Miles Garrett has been absolutely amazing. You know, despite you know he people were saying that he was a violent player. They're stemming back into week one and week two with those hits and you know after play shenanigans. And against, you know, especially the hit on, I believe, Trevor Simeon. Yeah. In week oh, two. Man. And then Helmet Gate, which, you know, I still want those tapes, those that audio revealed. You know, oh, that's something that sure. everybody still wants, you know, because we know exactly what oh, Mason Rudolph said. No, we that, know it. There's no question in my mind that he said, he it said and, yeah. you know, he said the most ignorant and the <laughs> worst word in the human language. Yeah, nope. and the, no the NFL just knows. The NFL just knows if they, especially right now, if they release that tape or if they ever release that tape. It's just, there's definitely something surrounding it where they're like, oh, crap, we can't. Miles was right, but we can't make it look like that. So it sucks. Yeah. But it's a bad look. It's a bad look on the NFL as a whole if they release yeah. the tapes because yeah. um, it was you know they jumped to conclusions you know um, and Miles got some bad advice I think you know on the whole thing where they told him to just not say anything in the locker room whoever told him that that was not like he should have came out right away and said that. It made it so- seem like he was lying because he came out with it later. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that was Freddie Kitchens, which, yeah, you know, goes back to what, what Zach was saying. You know, I'm glad that we have a brain in in the coach's office instead of a beer. No, no <laughs> doubt. Well said. Well said. So uh, this defensive side of the ball here, guys, uh, If as we go down our list here, do you guys think that they need to, or they will, do they need to, we'll start with you here on this one, Alec, do they need to, or will they add more talent to this defense as is? I mean, we know they've had the efforts for Jadavian Clowney, and, and he doesn't really know what he wants, but that seems to have fizzled out. Um, do you think that they will add anybody of significance to this defense? I mean, there are still a ton of really good players out there that, you know, are haven't been scooped yet. And I don't know if they want to add people, but I think that they should. You know, you still have people like shoot, like Eric Berry. You know, he said, you know, he's been out of the out of the out of the uh out of the league for a little bit. You know, back 
two, three years ago, he was considered one of the best safeties in the league. Yeah. And yeah. in a league full of safeties where you have Eric or Earl Thomas, you have Jamal Adams, you have Derwin James, you have all these great safeties. We need a good safety. Not saying that, that we can't trust uh, Grant Delpit, but we still need that veteran leadership behind for the what I'd like to call the quarterback of the defense, the safety. Yeah. See, you see, I, I, I'm a little bit different when it comes to safeties. I kind of, I kind of like our young secondary right now. Greedy, uh, Denzel Ward, a cornerback. And then obviously you got, uh, Grant Delpit and then the veteran leadership of Sendeo and Carl Joseph behind him. So, I mean, I, I think our secondary is kind of set. And then you got Joe Woods, who was a secondary coach coming from a Super Bowl winning team or a Super Bowl team. So, I mean, honestly, uh, I think what we need to add to is linebacker right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I like Mac Wilson and I like Jacob Phillips, but if there's someone out there that we can go either trade for or sign that can just add more depth, I know we uh, went and got uh, what's his face from Green Bay. His name's not coming. Yeah, Goodson. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we we got some veteran leadership, but even like a one year deal of Clay Matthews or something just to lead the locker room. Uh, uh, the linebacker room and the locker room and stuff. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, w- I would tend to lead towards uh, what you said on this one, Zach. I-, I like the secondary there. I like that Delpit can play. I'm a big fan of Carl Joseph. If he could just stay healthy, I think he's a hell mm-hmm. of a player. He's really flash at times, you know, first round talent. And then, but then, you know, Sendejo, I guess he can serve a, a purpose there. I'm not like hugely high on him, but. They are probably going to play with three safeties on the field a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the deficiency at linebacker, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. But um, if we're looking at like the best linebackers available right now, I really wanted them to go get Nigel Bradham for the longest time, but he just signed with the Saints. Um, yeah, like a day or so ago. Uh, but like Darren Lee is still out there, you know, 25 years old, you know, rocky start, obviously, um, to his NFL career. But, you know, guys get different location, different atmosphere and, the, and you know, different results sometimes. Michael Kendricks, we've been through that experiment before. He actually played some good ball for us, but he was facing like huge financial penalties at the time, if you recall. And uh, he went and ended up playing with the Seahawks then. Alec Ogletree, 28. I like him. Uh, Wesley Woodyard is 34. He's a little old. But B.J. Goodson's a glorified, uh, you know, he's a glorified um, journeyman himself, in my opinion. You know, yeah. the guy can play the run, great, that's fine. But he's not, you know, he can't, he's not going to be able to guard a door in the in the pass game. So, uh, that's just kind of where I stand with that. Uh, I tend to agree with you a little bit on that one. Alec, you wanted to, uh, you know, uh, tell me I am incorrect on that one. I mean, you're not incorrect, but I mean, also, we, I still think that veteran leadership just to be able to show the rookies the ropes. I love, I'm not saying that I don't, and I'm not knocking our young core in on defense. I love them. I love them to death. Greedy Williams. This was an amazing pickup. Denzel Ward was an amazing pickup. When we got Greedy Williams last and during last year's draft, I said straight up that was the steal of the draft. A top 10 talent in the second round. So I'm not knocking him in any way, shape, or form. However, we still need that veteran leadership, and we need mm-hmm. to find it. Because, 
last year we had rookies that didn't know what they were doing. Um, you know, Greedy Williams had a, in my opinion, a mediocre season in comparison to what I thought he was going to have. Granted, they were hurt. Yeah, I think that they could do a lot better. And I think also injuries have a lot to play with it. You know, we have 80 and 13 healthy. We have 26 healthy. We have 21 healthy. All these guys are healthy. And I think that has a very, very significant role to play. No, uh, definitely. And, and they got to stay healthy. I mean, Denzel Ward, Greedy, these guys, uh, they got to stay on the field. You know what I mean? They got to stay on the field, and they got to be able to tackle at the same time. You know, they Ward with the two concussions scares me to death after his first yeah. year. Um, I just worry about him, um, even though I think that he can be a really elite player as well as Greedy. You know, Greedy was actually really good against the run game last year, surprisingly, um, you know, as he was knocked on in the draft coming out that he couldn't tackle. But he really actually showed that he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and go after it. They just need these mm-hmm. guys to stay on the same, stay on the field. Same with Carl Joseph, you know, um, which is where, you know, depth will be. Uh, a, a little bit of a concern, I guess, on the defense side of the ball. What about the offense side of the ball? Got to start with you on this one, Zach. Any help needed there? You think at this point, or are they looking pretty good? I think we're looking awesome on offense. I mean, we got our franchise quarterback. As much as people want to knock him, we got two great running backs, and I hope we keep Chubb. I I, I gotta say that right now. Two pro bowl all-star wide receivers we got like we got the duos on offense running back wide receiver tight end if Najoku stays and now we even have a franchise left tackle that we just drafted too along with signing jack conklin i think andrew barry offensively had one of the best free agencies i've seen in cleveland yeah i agree i, I think it, t- it took a lot of maturity you know you sometimes you see these gms come in guys and just clean house right they want their own people yeah and I yeah really felt like he did a great job coming in and taking what Dorsey had done, the good parts of it, and building off of that and just making a better, even better roster. Uh, what do you think about the offensive side of the ball, Alec? So I I agree with a lot of what Zach says, but as of today, J- July 30th, you know, we just lost a couple of right tackles due, or right guards due to the COVID. I believe right. they opted out. Um, there is a hole that needs to be filled, and I am absolutely going to plug this right now. The okay. one gentleman that that they need to go get is not in the league. This gentleman, his name, I don't know if you know of this gentleman, Brad. This gentleman's name is Jarvis Courtney. He is ha- he's been on our show, and he is busting his ass trying to make it to the league and you know he's even flying to cleveland tomorrow for a tryout so i think the i think the browns if they were smart they go to jarvis's twitter page he has his number up there i think they should give him a quick call i'll say hey what's up this is andrew perry of the cleveland browns we want you we need you dude knows what he's doing dude is smart as hell and I think that he would provide a very big value to the Cleveland offensive line. That's awesome. Uh, I, yeah, I saw that you guys uh, have a connection with him, right? Uh, he's been on your show. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, uh, 
That's awesome. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are backing him. I, you know, I saw some of the videos of him lifting, working out. He looks like he's uh, trying to make his place in in the uh, in the league, and that's awesome that you guys support him like that. Um, we had a kid come on the show, um, our show, and he's uh, actually in Jets camp now. And I keep writing him like every other day, like checking on him, like, hey, you know, how's it going? Trying to figure out, you know, make sure everything that, you know. He didn't get cut in that, like, 10-player cut, you know, that some teams had to make where they had to go yeah. down to 80 early. Um, so I wanted to make sure he was all right there. But, yeah, he survived that so far. And so, That's good, man. Yeah, definitely. you, you, uh, you got to root for guys like that, man. Getting into the league is a tough thing, and that's awesome that you guys support him like that. So, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Let's bring him in. Get him, yeah. get him out there. Get him a tryout. Sure. 6'6", six, six, 300, man, you know. I mean – He's fast too, really fast. So, hey, and Brad, I, I, I don't, I'm sorry to backtrack, but about Andrew Barry and what he did with uh, the people Dorsey brought in, we reconstructing contracts and all oh, that yeah. stuff. So, like with uh, with uh, Olivier Vernon. So, yep, and, and Hubbard. And, yeah, and Hubbard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, man, th- th- this dude's smart. He brought that Philadelphia front office to Cleveland, and I'm super excited about the future. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. With, I don't know if you guys saw that report about like uh, most respected guys in the league. Uh, you know, it was a bunch of front office people, and he was already up there at the top. Like people really like this guy. Like he's relatable, and mm-hmm. uh, people know who he is, and they know he's an up and comer. We got a good one in Barry, I think for sure. Yeah, and and Stefanski too. I mean, so surviving what four coaching changes in Minnesota alone? Certainly. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I like what he brings offensively. I like his scheme offensively, um, certainly as well. Uh, I think it fits what the Browns have personnel-wise, so we'll see how that all works out. Uh, let's get down to, and, and first of all, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland and the Feeling Dangerous podcast collaboration with Brad Ward, Zach DeFranco, and Alec Sapolin. We're breaking it all down for you here like nobody else can. And uh, we are getting down to who to pay next here. Uh, as we talked a little bit about uh, going out and getting talent, we talked about Miles' deal. Now, uh, when it comes to the money, gentlemen, there's there's a couple names here. Ogan Joby is a free agent after this year. Where do you stand on that, Alec? Ogan Joby has been a very good factor in the defense he does need to get paid he i don't know what the browns have planned for him i don't know if ogan joby wants to take a little bit of a pay cut maybe buy a million or two to uh be here but i think he's i think he should stay here i absolutely think he should stay here yeah so i tried to do some research on this and and uh i'll throw it to you here zach and get your reaction to this so as far as like how much his market will be so basically what will happen here in my opinion is the Browns will come up with a number because I don't think they're going to pay him ahead of time they should mm-hmm. but I don't think they're gonna just because they don't we don't know nobody knows what the salary cap's going to be yeah really next year so front offices are a little weary right now to go pay somebody right away uh, so they're going to come up with a number that they think he's worth and they're going to set that number and see how the market, market, you know, will dictate whether he ends up being a Brown or not, really, uh, come next season. Now, I think he'll probably get somebody to offer him three or four years at 10 to 12 per year. 
Okay. Um, that's what I figure. That's what Sheldon Richardson makes now, and he's on the back half of his career. Uh, yeah. W- I think somebody would pay Ogunjobi that, in my opinion. I think he's on, on the upswing, and a lot of people know that. Uh, thoughts on that, Zach? I mean, he's worth it. He He's definitely, in my opinion, he's been more productive already than Sheldon Richardson has in brown and orange. But that when you look at Cleveland and their upcoming uh, salaries that they're going to have to pay, or Baker coming up, Chubb coming up, Chubb might ask for around $12, $13, $14 million a year. And if we don't give that to him, is he going to hold out? And then you got Ward. If If he stays healthy, obviously, I mean, he might be the one that, we might say goodbye to him, in my opinion, is Ward. And as much as that sucks, but I, I would love to keep Joby. I know him and Miles play very well together, but I think there's a reason why uh, Andrew Barry drafted a couple defensive tackles as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alec, where do you come out on those numbers I gave you? Say say the Browns offer him four, uh, four years, $50 million, 26 guaranteed. And this is for Nick Chubb? Uh, no, it's Ogunjobi. Ogunjobi, four, f- four for 50 with 26 guaranteed. Um, I and feel it like. And then out after like two years. You know, the, all the, the guaranteed money will be paid out after the first two years. This is going to be tough. And I'm thinking about this. If we pay Ogunjobi four for 50 with 28 guaranteed. We still have to pay Nick Chubb. We still have to pay Denzel Ward. Obviously, we have to pay six. We have to pay a lot of people, including David and Joku, if he stays, which I don't know if he will. I don't think he is. I'm not paying him a dime. Yeah. We, all, we also have to pay Kareem Hunt. Maybe. I don't think we're paying him. I mean, we what, have You're going to pay two running backs? No. I mean, this is a theoretical. So part, a big part of analytics, I would just say, is roster allocation as far as like money allocation. Like they're very, going to be very careful about where they assign a certain amount of money. It's why yeah. I don't think we're going to see multiple years of Jarvis and OBJ together because they're not going to continue to pay that much at one position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got the two highest paid wide receivers basically right now. At, you know what I mean? So if they can yeah. justify it, that's one thing, but. There's only so many footballs on the field. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, four, I'm going to say four years for 45. And you said 26 guaranteed? Yeah. Something in that ballpark. I'll say, I'll say 23. 23 yeah. guaranteed. Yeah, I think that might get it done. You know what I mean? Like, so... I think Ogunjobi is a big priority because I think he's an absolute stud. And I don't think that, like, that's not an easy piece to replace. Like, your pass rush has to be priority. Like, in the the order of, you know, what's more important, uh, pass rush is up there, right? Edge, Mm -hmm. Ogunjobi is a stud. He, He gets to the quarterback from his position. Um, he, you know, causes all kinds of, you know, ruckus on the, on the offensive side. I just think that I would set a pretty good number for him or try to lock him up 
you know, or after the season is over, before the market's there, if they can. I'm more, I would say I'm more concerned about paying Ogunjobi now than, than like Ward later. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we, we can still pick up Ward's fifth year option. Right. So let's so, look at that. Let's look at that real quick. So this these years kind of break down. Actually kind of beneficial for the Browns if you think about it, right? So you got Ogan Joby, who's a free agent after this year, right? Both mm-hmm. Mayfield and Ward are good. Are Browns through 22 if they pick up their fifth-year option, right? Yeah. And then, and then Chubb is up after next year, who you can, A, either franchise tag and then extend or just extend. Now... Let's talk about that as we'll move to Chubb next. Alec, where do you stand on – you want to sign Chubb, right, to an extension? Running he, back extensions are trouble. Yeah, they're – oh, man. Teams they're, get they really left are. And right. Yeah. So, I mean – Would you be comfortable going? just, like, franchise tagging him a couple years to see how that goes? I think a franchise tag would be considered disrespect to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb in his second year was a game away from being the leading rusher in the league. Yeah. And to no fault of his own that he didn't get it. Exactly. Ran the ball three times in a half. Right. Nick Chubb absolutely deserves to – he does not – he should not. And in my my prediction, he will not get franchise tagged. I mean – I mean, it's not. I don't think it's disrespectful if you do it one year and you like if Andrew Barry says down with him like, "Hey, listen, we got to sign all these guys. We're going to pay you." But if we kind of pull the Le'Veon Bell move on him, then it gets to the point of disrespect. He might not want to be here anymore after that. Uh, I I'm all for just paying him, just pay him, get it done sooner than later. I mean, the, look, the t- ultimate t- t- question for me, Zach, is. You, that you have to ask yourself is, is he special enough of a back to give him that extension? Because you got to be real special to get that extension, in my opinion, at this point in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think he is. I, I who's the last that. back? Who's the last back we've seen like Nick Chubb in, the, in brown and orange? I mean, no, I, I agree. Or, or in the NFL, or in the NFL, I think he's already being more productive than Saquon. So. Yeah. No, he's he's been better than Saquon, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I think he is, too. Uh, it's just, you know, those those running back extensions are scary stuff. So, because you, you just don't know what, you know, what's going to happen to him. Um, a lot of teams have gotten burnt on those. Uh, so, but, yeah, I mean, the guy is just such a good guy and such a team guy. Um, and if he continues... With another year like this, I would want to try to. You got to go sign him this off season, right, Alec? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that leave that that brings us to Baker. What do you got to see from Baker to want to pay him this off season? Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Alec? Winning the division. I mean, he needs to. And this is this is no fault of his own. He needs to get his ass back into gear. And I don't mean I don't even mean from his rookie year. I mean 2017 NCAA Heisman where he was dropping 
40, 50, 60 on, on, on folks left and frickin' right. I need to see that. And, and this is to no credit of his own. He didn't have a very good coach last year. But he had some decision-making problems, you know, on the field and off the field. You know, Cheesecake Factory is his favorite restaurant. Um, that oh my God. he – I had to. <laughs> I had to. Um, no, but in all seriousness, you know, he had some decision-making issues where he could have thrown a shorter route instead of winning th- for these plays to develop. He got sacked a ton last year, and he had to throw the ball – all away so many times he had to and he got picked off so many times people thought that the browns wasted the decision and we should have went with the now reigning mvp of the nfl lamar jackson me i believe that he changed the culture in cleveland ohio his play didn't match up to the culture that he wants to bring but you know he's healthy he looks in amazing shape. Have you seen it? Have you seen some of the pictures that's coming out of Baker, Brad? Yeah, yes, I have. He looks outstanding. He looks uh, he looks great. He looks like he's been working hard, and that that's a, that's a great sign for sure. He looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback should. He looks like a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and he needs to play like a Super Bowl quarterback. He needs to play like an MVP caliber quarterback. I'm not saying that, you know, 16-0 and in a Super Bowl is going to be what causes us to keep him, but a, drast, a drastic improvement from last year is what we need. 6-10 and 10 wasn't what we wanted to go last year, yeah, especially we, because we got Odell Beckham for the, for the dust in the bottom of of a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we gave up a very good guard for Odell Beckham Jr., but we did. But you know, we had one of the best one of the best wide receivers in football, and we did not utilize him. We we didn't, u- we didn't really utilize anyone last year, exactly. Alex. I mean, I mean, yeah, you're right. But the fact of the matter is, Baker needs to come out. He needs to come out with a that walk on mentality. He needs to come out, you know, with a chip on his shoulder the size of his home state of Texas. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but in in as a coach, you need to coach around your players' strengths. So Stefanski's going to play to Baker's strengths. Stefanski's not going to make Baker throw mm-hmm. over linemen's heads 40, 50 times a game, force the ball to one player to make that player happy. Stefanski's going to be, okay, we're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action. Baker's going to thrive in this offense, I feel like. So, I mean, alone, as long as Baker can either get us to the playoffs, we won't have to win the division now to make the playoff. You know what I mean? It's already extended now. So, yeah. 10 and 6, 10 and 6 is my guess for the year. So, we'll see what happens. I just I think if Baker takes us to the playoffs this year, he takes to a 10 and 6 record, that that dude's going to get his extension at the end of the year. He will. Yeah, I, I think he'll get his extension. I I I would think that even if he gets him to like 8 and 8, 9 and 7, that they would offer him the extension just mm-hmm, just to get true. that many wins. His numbers will probably be good enough that you'll be like, "Hey, this is our guy and we're good moving forward with him." But yeah. because, you know, and you can call what you saw last year an anomaly and put more of it at Freddie Kitchen's feet than anything. So, and, and I think that's what we need to see from him. 
he also, at the same time, when people say this is a make or break it year for Baker, I kind of get pissed because it's not really fair. He's had four coordinators in three years. Yeah. You know, he's had four head coaches in three years. You don't put this kind of draft capital into somebody and then call year three make or break it. You don't. That I mean, these guys, quarterbacks that are now pro bowlers, are now taking their teams or, or considered, you know, potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks in this league, they all took their lumps in this league. They all threw lots of interceptions yeah. when they were young. I mean, yeah. it's just part of growing up in the league. Not everybody is Patrick Mahomes. You know what yeah. I mean? So this is part of the process for him. Now, the weird thing is about last year is Baker is is known for his accuracy as – you know, I had Andy Benoit from Monday Morning Quarterback on. He did this, this interception study, right, where he mm-hmm. looked at every single interception thrown in the NFL. And I asked him about Baker's trends, and he said that the, the trend with Baker, surprisingly, is that of his interceptions thrown, and he counted, they counted would-be interceptions, so inter- balls that were dropped by defensive backs as well were included. It was like 656 or something like that around the league. So, uh, but he's what he said about Baker was that the majority of them were just not bad decisions, not, you know, anything else, but just inaccurate, poorly thrown balls, which is really surprising when you hear that about Baker because that's not what he's known. He's known the opposite of that for being accurate and then you get to the age-old question of if you can teach accuracy or not right and yeah so I think that I think he was just in a weird spot last year I think he tried to do too much he you know sometimes he's just firing the ball 100 miles an hour in there trying to squeeze it in tight spots you know he was always leaking out to his right he had to get over that because he you know he didn't trust his offensive line just a lot of things were working against him last year I think that if he gets back to his fundamentals, we'll see the real Baker. Um, I mean, he's still, last year, in a season that he did not play well, made enough game-changing plays, because that's what he does, right? He makes big plays. He made enough game-changing big plays to keep them in almost every single game. So mm-hmm. I, I just will, I, I think we see a big improvement from him. We'll see Stefanski move the pocket. A lot. We're going to see a lot of, you know, rolling him out, a lot of yep. boot stuff, getting him out of the pocket and, and where he's comfortable throwing on the run, and a lot, a lot of play action because that's where he is the best. He is the best, uh, maybe one of the best in the NFL in play action, and you're just going to get a ton of that with this run game. So I feel really good about the offense that Stefanski brings, and I feel like he'll bring him along nicely, and I think that they'll end up wanting to pay him after this year. Yeah. So, how much do you think they're gonna offer him? Say, say everything Ooh. hypothetically goes good. Like, oh what? My what gosh. do you? I mean, I wouldn't even dare to put a number on that because I mean, Dak Prescott, what a mess over there. They really screwed the pooch on that one because, yeah, for me, he's a top ten quarterback, and they had a chance to pay him at like twenty five mil, and they're going, wait a minute, Russell Wilson's worth twenty five million. Dak Prescott's not. Russell Wilson. Well, now they're all the way up to what thirty seven because of the tag and and or whatever thirty four, and then next year it's thirty seven, and the year after that it's goes all the way up to fifty four. Yeah. So like, what do you do? He's making more than he's going to make more money in the next three years than Mahomes is if he goes along this route. Because <laughs> oh Mahomes gosh. 
is locked in for 63 in his first three years. I mean, he'll make more than that basically in two years. So, oh, my gosh. Like, so they screwed it. Now if they want to sign him to a long-term deal, the starting point is 37 mil per year. So what does the Mahomes deal and what does the Dak Prescott situation tell you about what you have to spend on a quarterback in the future? I don't know. Yeah. Do you dare venture to give me a number on that, on Baker, Alec? I am not going to be. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know You know what? To hell with it. I will. I don't think they're going to do the 37. I think Baker is humble enough to understand that, you know, the type of player that Mahomes is and the amount of cap that the Chiefs have. Which, by the way, I don't know how the hell they're going to sign anyone else, but that's neither here nor there. I say that Baker's going to make ballpark 30, point, uh, 30, 30 and a quarter. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if you went to him after this season and offered him 35, I think that that would look like a deal in a couple years and for us, and, and it would probably make him happy. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on that, Zach? I, I could see that happening realistically. I was going to say around 30 mil plus a year. So, I mean, I think – I don't know if he's going to be the type of guy, but I want to see who on our extensions coming up takes that cut a little bit to keep talent. And I'm hoping – because I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to do that. And then he signs the half-a-billion-dollar contract. But so, but he kind of did, though. Like, so Because of the length he did, you think? Because of the length, I mean, okay, in, in four years, he's not, I mean, $50 million a year per quarterback is going to be nothing. Yeah, true. I mean, that's what he averages out, right? It averages out mm-hmm. to 50 per year. I mean, in in three or four years, 50 is going to be the going rate. So, really, he kind of did them a favor. Plus, he's getting all his money at the back end so they can keep Hill and Kelsey and all those guys. Yeah. That's so crazy to think about. It takes some serious cap gymnastics to do what they did. I mean, you look at it over the cap.com and it said they had $6 million left on their salary cap and then they signed him to that deal and then turned around and signed Chris Jones. Tell me how that's possible. Yeah, and uh, Mahomes tweet too. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just crazy. I don't I don't really understand it, but they. I mean, the salary cap can be tweaked and manipulated in so many different ways. You know, I think if the Browns set their mind to pay an Ogunjobi, Baker, Chubb, and Ward, and you made those four your priority, they could probably do all four. But when it comes to like Kareem Hunt and guys like that, they're not going to be around. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I. I want, I'm interested to see who we choose wide receiver wise too. So I'm thinking Landry might be here for life with Baker because their connection is already crazy. I would so, I would rather keep him. He's a better to yeah. me, He's a better football player and he's a better leader. And, yeah, and he's, he's more consistent. And soul. Yeah, he's just kind of like the heart and soul of this team for me. Yeah, where do you stand on that, Alec? I absolutely 100% agree with you guys. You know, he is the heart and soul. And, you know, like I said, he needs to be it. He needs to play it. He needs to act it. He needs to live it. Yeah, he he uh, he lived up to it last year. I think um, 
I expect a big year from him again, and he just he just does everything, you know. He's a guy that gets up off the ground, runs over, and calls timeout. You know, he's just he just yeah. He's a, he's a football player, you know, through and through, and uh, and he's a Cleveland Brown now, and I think I don't see him going anywhere for the rest of his career, in my opinion, or at least that's the way I feel about him. I feel strongly about Jarvis. Um, all right, guys. So uh, you guys are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland and the Feeling Dangerous podcast collaboration. Uh, with Brad Ward, Zach DeFranco, and Alec Sapelin. We're bringing it strong to you here as we are going to now take a look at the 2020 Cleveland Browns schedule. I did an, I wrote an article on this a while back on the toughest stretch uh, for the Browns in the season. Uh, I want to hear what you guys think it is. Um, let's go, Alec. When do you th- what do you think is the toughest stretch is for rounds in, in the 2020 schedule, which is kind of easy. It's a weaker schedule on paper. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm, you know, I'm just going to read out, you know, in case somebody's been living under a rock, if that's all the same to you here. <laughs> we have the first quarter with the Ravens, Bengals, Redskins, Cowboys. Then we have the Colts, Steelers, Bengals, Raiders into the bye. Then we finish up the second half in... Or when the Texans and Eagles come to visit, then we go down to Jacksonville and to Tennessee. Then we finish up at uh, hosting the Ravens, going to New York for two straight weeks, playing the New York teams, Giants and Jets, respectively, and then finishing up Week 17 home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the way that I see this schedule, I don't see a tough stretch. I see a tough game. I see tough string of games. It's not exactly a stretch, and I'll explain that a little bit. Um, I look at I look at the first four weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. Ravens, big game, game one away too. You have the reigning MVP. They got better. They have they have better running back depth. They have now three running backs. Yay, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> who can throw a ball here and there. You have Mark Ingram, and then you have. J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. You have a revamped secondary, uh, revamped defense with Calais Campbell and re- the returning Earl Thomas III. Then we go in, we host Washington. Washington's going to be a little bit tough. Dwayne Haskins has gotten better. Terry, McLaur- Terry McLaurin, excuse me, is very good, very underrated. And you also have to be aware of that edge, that second overall pick. Chase Young out of Ohio State. Then I'm going to say week four is going to be a little tough at Dallas. You know, we have not played in Dallas in a very long time, if ever. I don't know the history of it. But you have Dak Prescott. You have Ezekiel Elliott. You have, you know, Amari Cooper. You have Trayvon Diggs, the cousin of Stephon Diggs. You have frickin'... CD Lamb. Lamb. Yeah, you have CD Lamb. It's going to be a very tough good defense. offense. It's going, to, it's going to be a shootout. That's going to be a shootout in the Lone Star State. Then I'm just going to, you know, another couple of games here. You know, you have the Steelers. Steelers, they're, they're going to be all healthy. So that's going to be tough. Then the only really difficult one that I can see is Houston. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. Is out of his goddamn mind. Yeah, he is. No, he, no can, about it. he can throw a ball better than most. 
next? Better than Baker Mayfield? I don't know. We'll see week nine. <laughs> or week ten. He's good, rather. man. He's, He's good. And, you know, they traded, you know, future Hall of Fame wide receiver De- DeAndre Hopkins. Why? I don't know. But I feel like, you know, with the remaining wide receiver core they have, they can do something special. And they will do something special this year. All the power to them. But that's going to be the tougher games in this in this schedule. Uh, Zach, uh, you want to point out any uh, specific areas of the schedule that alarm you? I'll get I'll get to my stretch, but Alec, uh, I'm just gonna remind you it's the Washington football team now. So oh, my apologies. Yeah, it, says, it still says it. Oh boy, I'm gonna <laughs> Jesus Christ, Brad. I'm sorry. I just got I just called your podcast to get canceled. Um, no, no, the Washington football name TBDs. <laughs> so okay, so I mean, uh, I'm I'm obviously week one's tough. Uh, week four and week five are gonna be tricky. Colts got Philip Rivers now. He's a good leader. So. The the stretch I see is after the bye week, though, Brad. I mean, we got the Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, or, uh, but then we got to go face the Titans, too, who are a playoff team who beat the Ravens in the playoffs. That That's the stretch I see. I mean, that that's probably the toughest part of the schedule that I see. I, I think we can take care of business against the Bengals week, too. We can, I mean, Rob Rivera is a good coach for the, the football team in Washington. I just I don't know that that's the only part of the schedule that stands out to me where I, I want our team to circle it because that that's when we're going to find out are we a playoff team. Here's what I, I I agree with you I don't like that stretch uh, you know minus the Jaguars but if you go Texas you know if you look at it like Texans you know Eagles pending a healthy Wentz you know yeah. uh, Titans Ravens there with the Jags splitting it up that is definitely for me like the second toughest. I look at I circled right when I saw the schedule uh, four, five, and six. So Cowboys, Colts, Steelers. Now the reason why though you have to look at the first three weeks too to make it that. So it's, I'm kind of agreeing with both of you a little bit. So uh, Alec, you you kind of mentioned this right. So the, you start with the Ravens and then you get the Bengals and Redskins, which should be wins. Either way, you should come out of those first three weeks one and two at the worst. Or pardon yeah. me, uh, yeah, two no two and one at the worst, yeah, right? Two and one, yeah. Um, but the thing is, with that stretch going at Cowboys versus Colts uh, at Steelers, those three weeks are tough. I think out of the first six weeks, if you can come out five hundred, you're looking really good. So like, yeah. yeah. So like, you, I expect them to lose week one. You know, not that they can't win, but it's just kind of it's gonna. They got dealt a bad hand with no off season and and drawing the Ravens week one, right? Um, and, and new coach and everything. Cowboys are gonna be really good. Steelers are gonna be good. Colts have the chance to be good. We'll see what Philip Rivers brings out. If he plays like last year, they'll be garbage, but they still have the the ability to be good and beat some people. So if you can come out of that first six weeks three and three, I think or any, or better. I think you're looking really, really good for the rest of the season. But if you come out of there like two and four, say you lose all four of those crucial games in there and only beat the Bengals and the Redskins, I would be really down at that point in the season. Yeah. Uh, I think you got to come out of that three and three because there's, there's some tough games in there. You're at your, your Road Steelers game, your Cowboys game, which is going to be the, how the Cowboys fare against the rest of the AFC North is going to be crucial. Because they're really good. So, uh, I think, you know, if you can get a win, um, 
out of one of those second three, that that four, five, and six, if you can just win one of those games, even if it's the Colts game, and beat beat the teams you're supposed to, and the Bengals and the Washington football team. Sorry, I think I said Redskins too. Uh, but <laughs> either way, you know, um, I think if you can come out three and three, I'd be happy. You know what? I completely forgot that Philip Rivers is now an Indianapolis Colt. So that's yeah. also going to be a tough game, especially with Marlon Mack and uh, Darius Leonard. That's going to be a very, 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 very tough game. Yeah, and didn't so, the Colts didn't, didn't the Colts draft that uh, one running back too out of uh, Jonathan? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. John, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they also drafted USC wide receiver Michael Pick- Michael Pittman Jr., brother of Oregon wide receiver Micah Pittman. Let's go, Ducks. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. Represent. Do your thing. So, <laughs> so r- real quick here, uh, around the horn, Alec, can can they win the division? It's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. I think we're going to split the division with the Ravens. Ooh, split. Split, like tie total record? Yeah. Okay. All right. Tiebreaker goes to? Tiebreaker goes to Cleveland. Nice. Wow. Okay. Nice. That's a bold prediction. I like. Your I guess. I guess I'm more of a realist than Brad. I don't know. Okay. Where are you at, Zach? I I think the Ravens are going to go at least thirteen and three, twelve and four. I think we're going to go ten Ooh. and six. So unless the Madden curse happens, but dude, the Ravens are hungry. They're better than last year. They're they're mad about what happened in the playoffs last year. So. I don't. I definitely Can they see us really duplicate what they did last year. Though they were playing like they're on crack, like all yeah, season last year. Can they, they really they, duplicate that? They didn't lose a game after losing to us week four. Right, not a game until the playoffs. But yeah, I, don't I think mean, they can, I don't think they can duplicate that. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. One so little I, sleeper that I have. Oops, sorry. Yeah. I didn't no, mean go, to cut you go off for here. it. One you're little good. sleeper I have is the Raiders. That could be a very that that could be a, a trap game. That could yeah, be a very could be. big trap. It game. could be. Right before the bye week we could we could uh we could feel a little lazy going into that one. I really do think that. But the only thing that helps is we're home. So But I mean also you have Henry Rocks the third, the fat the second fastest wide receiver possibly in this league. Yeah, well. I really like what Mike Mayock is doing there. Um I've always been a big Mike Mayock fan, so uh, but I love his draft picks there. And have you seen how that amazing stadium they build out there? Oh, it's, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. It's so good. Incredible. And they Incredible. got your they got your boy Mariota too, Alec. Yes, they do. They got Mariota, Sko Ducks. Uh, they also have Derek Carr, which Derek Carr's a pretty damn underrated quarterback, I will say. I people agree. I think people Carr people knock on him for no reason, but he he knows his stuff. He's got he a knows real punchable stuff. face. yeah they both do actually so well i mean also you know just side note marietta did propose to his longtime sweetheart back on campus at the university of oregon so congratulations to him but you know i think it's going to be a very interesting game that that week week uh what is that week eight yeah week eight game that it could be a trap game and I think that was the same way that I felt. It's the same way how I felt about uh, Arizona last year. That was a trap game. Yeah, I don't even know if it'll be a trap game at that point. I think the Raiders are actually going to be pretty good. I mean, Josh Jacobs is the real deal. Um, I mean, they could be. They could have a good record at that point. We'll see. 
It's going to be a weird year, man. The pretty, you know, predictions and, and trying to predict this year is just crazy because it's going to be weird. You know, the first few weeks of football could be really ugly um, all around the league. Like, the product probably won't be very good for the first few weeks, I don't think. Um, but once it gets ramped up, you know, I don't know. It's just going to be a really hard, hard year to predict with, I mean, COVID can take out you could lose a couple games if because of COVID nineteen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's just really hard to predict. So I think the Browns uh, will do well. I think if they can win ten games, they can get a piece of the division. Uh, but I think they at least uh, can get in the wild card for sure. So I, I, I would be I would call it a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland and the Feeling Dangerous podcast. And we are feeling dangerous uh, as we round the turn here uh, and uh, start to uh, head to the meat and potatoes here of the show. Uh, Guys, defensive expectations. So, I mean, we know, I think we know, I feel like linebacker, and we kind of mentioned this earlier, is our weakest point or weaker points. I'm a big fan of Mac Wilson, and we'll get into that later. And I like the pick of Jacob Phillips, although he won't mm-hmm. be able to play the pass game either. He's kind of a clone of, uh, of uh, Goodson. Um, but uh, probably a better version of Goodson. But as far as playing the pass game, I don't, I don't think that's his specialty. Uh, but certainly we'll be able to help in the run game. So, you know... Do you guys agree with that, or do you think that people are just sleeping on on this core? I mean, I didn't even mention Taki Taki, so thoughts on him, uh, this linebacking core, and the defensive as a whole, really, in general. Like, if you could give them a grade right now, you know, where would you give them a grade, and do you think that uh, they're better than advertised or or not, uh, Zach? I, I think we're better than advertised, and it, it's, it starts at the top with our coach, Joe Woods. So, I mean, yeah, our linebacker might be it's, – it's a question mark, but will I say that they're the you know, a weak spot? Not really. I mean, Mac Wilson is a good linebacker. Jacob Phillips was leading the SEC in tackles, and that's obviously a good conference. Um, Sion Takitaki, he's got to step up to the plate. You know, we got Olivier Vernon who can play some stand-up linebacker two off the edge uh, other than defensive end. So, I mean, our, our, our grade-wise, I'd probably give us like a, a B-minus for our defense as a whole. I, I like it, man. I, I think we're going to be young. We're going to be fast. We're going to play hard, hard-nosed football. Okay, Alec, where do you stand on that? If I was to give the – Defense a grade. I give it a B minus right now. I give it a B minus. Okay. The weak points, you know what? There is only one weak point. Injuries. Everyone needs True. to stay healthy. Everybody True. needs to stay healthy. You know. We also have two of the best last names that I have ever heard in my damn life, which Sheldrick Wet Red Wine and Sione Taki Taki. So <laughs> we have the all badass last name team, but you know, we need to have an all de- defensive team. And the linebacker core will be fine. I think I think media is really sleeping on it. You know, Mac Wilson, he is disgusting. He will be a pro bowler. If not this season, then the season after this. Yeah. Jacob I mean- Phillips is going to take an impact as well because he knows a lot of guys on that LSU team. You have Grant Delpit and uh Greedy Williams. So 
that LSU, that LS defense U is going to be out in full force this year. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, I like Jacob Phillips. I think he'll start right away for sure. Uh, Mac Wilson is, a, is an amazing athlete and, um, and, and has the potential to be a top, top tier linebacker in this league. Love, love his attitude. Uh, he's always positive. Um, love his athleticism. Uh, really like everything about him. The question is, is he going to be able to pick up the defense fast enough? He should be able to with experience at Alabama. But, I mean, we let's be real. He did have Schobert putting him in, in place every down last year. So, I mean, uh, and he was thrown into action and pressed into action. So that's it, kind of understandable. But, really, he needs to step up and be a leader on this defense like mm. right away. Like, yeah. second year, he needs to be acting like a vet and, and treating it that way. And uh, I actually heard from a couple people that he, he actually is approaching it that way. Um, so I hope that that is true and that he does do that. Uh, Taki Taki disappointed a little bit for me last year. I know he didn't get a real chance, but I don't know just like athletically if he can hang at this level. I know he can tackle. I know he can he yeah. all over the place. I just don't know if he can hang. Um, I think Jacob Phillips is a better fit. Um you know, I don't know what they're going to do as far as scheme goes. I tried to get talk to uh, Andy Benoit about this, who's a guy who watches a ton of film. So you're talking about Joe Woods, who's played a 4-3, a 3-4. Uh, when he was two years as the coordinator with Denver, they were in a 3-4 under as their base. You know, he's going to run the 4-3 this year because that's all you can really do with this personnel, you know, when you have Garrett and stuff. So, and then last year he was in, you know, Seattle cover three press bail with Sala and those guys who ran Seattle's old defense. So now does that make sense for the Browns to run? Not really when you have guys that can play man-to-man like, uh, like you know, our corners can. Um, our corners are really good man-to-man corners you know what i mean so do you want to sit and cover three all day and and play that game like like that seattle defense does where you know go ahead try to try to test the rules of this defense you know but we're going to stay steady in the rules and try to test it i think they end up with three three safeties on the field and at times in dime coverage for the majority of games just uh because they don't want to have a lot of linebackers out there, to be honest. I do think linebackers are a little weak, I'm going to be honest, uh, compared to other teams. Um, but, I mean, I, I, you know, I think they could probably end up with Phillips and and, and Mac Wilson uh, on the field a lot with the rest of the defense, uh, you know, uh, defensive backs in uh, sub packages. I think that maybe Joe Woods might lean towards that. And he kind of talked about that a little bit in the one presser availability he had through Zoom. Um, yeah. He talked about getting a lot of defensive backs on the field. And I think I think that he wants – that's probably what he wants to use Sandejo for. But that's where I come out on the scheme. Any thoughts on that, Alec? No. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Yeah, yeah. I mean – Woods, uh, he basically assured us we're going to keep a 4-3 defensive scheme, you know, with his defense. So he wants the pass rushers out there. Um, I mean, you got to have the right guys at the right positions when it comes to a defense like this where you're already kind of lacking certain, like we said, standout players. We we know as fans that we have players that could 
that, that they're going to go out there and play, and we have a coach that can coach them. So, I, I mean, I'm pumped for it. I think there's going to be a, a, a good amount of, like, nickel packages too with Del Pitt, you know, kind of, like, moving up, blitzing because mm-hmm. that dude's fast. He can play, so. Kevin Johnson uh, is um, was very poor and didn't really get used properly in Houston, uh, even though he was a first-round pick, but played tremendously last season for Buffalo. And I think that you're going to find, we're going to find that he is a excellent, excellent uh, nickel corner too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Johnson, I actually forgot about him. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, yeah, he's. You know, uh, Barry really went out and shot a lot of one-year contract darts at that at mm-hmm. that defense, and I think that probably lends itself to paying some of these guys too in the future as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Uh, interesting stuff, though, for sure. You are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland and Feeling Dangerous podcast with Alex Zeppelin in Oregon, Zach DeFranco in Lake Erie. No, just kidding, Mentor, and uh, <laughs> myself in Akron, Ohio. I'm Brad Ward. I am the host of All Eyes on Cleveland, and we are breaking it all down for you uh, on the Cleveland Browns in a collaboration uh, of the two podcasts, collab style, here tonight. Um, guys, uh, who, who would you name as your three captains, Zach? Uh, I would have to go other, other than Baker or with yeah, Baker really, as a I captain. Mean, if you want Baker as a captain, then, you I, know, you can pick whatever three you want. I, I definitely think Baker's going to be a captain, but I would have to go Baker, Miles, and maybe, uh, JC Treader. Interesting. Captain or, uh, Pre- El Presidente. Yeah. Uh, he really pissed me off during those negotiations. I'm not going to lie. Go ahead. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Who did El Press? Yeah. Yeah, he pissed me off. Oh, my God. Damn. The stick we love El Press. Yeah, I mean, I like him and everything. I know he's just doing his job, but he kept coming out with all that stuff. Him and J.J. Watt. Like, what? shut up. Don't, don't do the negotiations through the press. Keep it to yourself. What is what are you what are you in the major league baseball now? It's crazy. <laughs> um, Alec, uh, what do you think? Who's your three captains? I'm gonna give you two because Baker Mayfield's an automatic. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. Ooh. Whew. Mac Wilson. Really? Oh, you stole my you stole my sleeper. Really? Yeah. I gotta I hear think- this, Brad. I gotta hear this. Why why do you think Mac's gonna be uh, be a sleeper? I think I think he's got to be captain. I think he's probably your captain of the defense this year. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, it's not going to be Miles Garrett. He's just not that type of guy. He's not vocal, but Mac is. Mac is extremely vocal. I've, have you ever followed Mac's Twitter timeline? Like he is the most positive dude ever, all the time. Just positivity all the time, even after losses last year on Twitter. Like. Don't worry, team will be, you know, just like he's just positive all the time. I think he's an absolute leader at heart and uh, is going to step into that role for the defense. So I have the same three minus OBJ, sub in Jarvis Landry, heart and soul. So I will go. I love it. I love love those three, actually. That would be awesome. I would go Baker, Jarvis, Mack. I mean, just the back. I kind of went with the easy picks. I kind of just went with the easy picks there, didn't I? That's yeah, okay. you did. The three standout <laughs> players on <laughs> whatever, Alec. You know. <laughs> so I'm going to backtrack a little bit on what you were saying about how 
uh, Mac Wilson was the most positive guy. He is not only the most positive, but he's also the most humble. And mm-hmm. I remember, I remember it when he uh, when he came on the big play refall at Cleveland show when I was still with them. I got to speak to him. Awesome guy. Awesome, awesome guy. And we uh, we had the Madden ratings uh, adjuster on the show and they gave him like a 69 to start out or 68 or 67 or something like that and and you know he was just messing around and he goes have you ever seen me and 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 he said and the adjuster said that he was going to be he'd be in tampa for week three and he goes all right you watch me then i'm number 51 you watch me and look at that he turns out to be what i hope to be is going to be a captain for this year yeah yeah i mean i i uh i just love his energy and and absolutely like you said he just seems like a real dude and uh uh vocal and and like i said i've heard a couple people mention that he is really trying to step into that role this year i mean if if you were here last year and you're if you have any idea of like your surroundings, you know, and, and you take uh, um, the temperature of that defense, it needs a leader, right? It needs mm-hmm. one. Like Joe Schobert, great player, but not—he's not like the best leader. Like he could lead, but he's not like your leader, leader, right? Like he's—you're probably like your the guy that calls the plays in the huddles and tells where you where to go, but he's not like your hype leader, like a guy that you'll follow into like battle, right? But Mac Wilson is, in my opinion, and I think that um, I would love to see him named captain. Yeah, and Jarvis for sure, I think, and then and then of course Baker. Uh, but that that's where I stand with it. But I, I I agree with you, and that's awesome to hear that you got to talk to him and he thought he was an awesome dude because that's how he comes across to me, just you know from far. So, gentlemen, uh, if we look at how far behind this team is because of no OTAs, no mini camp, new head coach, new you know new offense, new defense, um, all of the work that has been done so far has been done through Zoom calls up to this point. Uh, you know, how would they do installs? I, I guess they were doing installs through the Zoom calls. Um, how far? behind do you think the browns are because of their situation this year let me actually go ahead alec let me actually correct you i don't think they're behind i think they're ahead Okay. okay and i will tell you why with respect to the other 29 teams in the nfl or the other 30 or 31 teams in the nfl excuse me um I almost forgot the Washington football name, TBDs. Um, <laughs> TBDs. We, uh, the TBDs. Yes. The TBDs, as Pat McAfee says. Anyways, I have not seen a single thing come out of any team. And this goes, you know, I think the Browns are the be- are doing the best thing in throughout the entire NFL. Not, in, not only just on the field, but off the field. I had written an article that I published myself um, about the Brown social justice changes. And, you know, that's a very good thing to hear. You know, they started a uh, movement called Be the Solution. 
where they're going to be helping underprivileged kids. Jarvis Landry started his own foundation helping the same. Miles Garrett is stepping up paying for funerals of victims of police brutality. Baker Mayfield is stepping up. The entire team is stepping up. That's just off the field. And not and when I said that, how good that did, did that make you feel? That made you feel pretty damn good, did it not? Absolutely, yeah. For sure, you got to be proud of that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not even talking about the on-the-field stuff. They're doing Zoom calls every single day. They're sending out equipment. They're doing all of this stuff to make sure that their players are ready and able to play. Like, you look at Baker Mayfield. Baker looks incredible. And I said this earlier. He looks incredible. And I'm going to say it again. He looks incredible. And, you know... That's just because of the offseason commitment that this team has. Because they know, the red, veterans of this team and the returning members of this team know that last year sucked. Last yeah. year was something to be you know, forgotten about. And we went 0-16 three years ago. And, and they want to forget about last season more than they did when they went 0-16. Sure. So you tell me, why is it that the Browns are the only teams really showing out. Have you seen any other teams? And I'm not, and I mean, I'm not trying to make this a debate. I'm actually want to know who is it that they, that, you know, that are showing their players as committed as they, as the Browns. As committed to, to what the social injustice stuff or no, in to, terms of off season, in terms of off season. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think that, like, honestly, they have probably one of the smarter front offices. And, like, given this situation where they had to present things through Zoom calls, I think they probably had the, you know, top five, maybe the best in the league setup-wise with Stefanski and them, like, doing installs over Zoom calls, uh, working on Jedrick Wills, you know, videotaping himself, sending it back to the – you know, sending it back to Berea, Berea doing corrections, Callahan sending it back to him. I mean, that stuff is extensive, and they were all over it technology-wise and on top of it. And for that, I think they did more than other teams. The question is, is that enough to overcome a team that just has, uh, you know, the same offense or same defensive coach from the year prior? Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Most of these teams you got to look at it as a perspective of, they know their f- schemes already. So the Browns have now have a brand-new coach. They have, on all sides of the ball, a brand-new GM. So getting them in there is the most important part. So, I mean, honestly, I just think the way Stefanski handled it with the Zoom meetings, and you could tell the players were studying, the players were working, and that, mm-hmm. that it, I don't know if you watch Billy and the Browns, Brad. I'm sure you do. I do, but. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that that work he put across, you know, mm. the Zoom meeting calls and having Baker take the initiative of going into every meeting. And I think he was even at the rookie training camp the last mm-hmm. couple of days, too. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I, I, I think I think teams are going to think we're behind. But in all reality, I think I think we're ready to roll. That's interesting. I, I like both your takes on that, because. Um, I, I saw the same thing. It felt it felt like we're doing more that we did more than a lot of teams. Like, I mean, for the Saints, for example, that they, they just told them, "Forget it. I'll we'll see you when camp starts." Yeah, yeah. They didn't even try to do anything in the meantime, right? Like mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. I, I just don't I don't get that approach. 
I, I don't know. But because uh, I feel like um, a young team like this and the way it was presented to them, it has to kind of bring you together somewhat, right? To yeah, know that you're absolutely. taking an extra step over everybody else. Would you agree with that, Alec? I, I mean, obviously you think that, that they are not even behind. You think they're good, right? Alec, you still with me, brother? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, muted my mic. You can edit that in post, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. No worries, man. No, I'm here. Um, yeah, I think I think they're better than good. I think they're great. I think they are phenomenal. I think, you know, I haven't heard anything from any of the other AFC North teams. I haven't heard anything from the other AFC teams. I haven't heard anything from the NFC North teams, and I haven't heard anything from the NFC. So I think that the Browns have really stepped up their their game plan. I think it really goes back to those brains, you know, Ivy League team, man. Mm -hmm. I think they did what they could in this situation, and they are taking the the biggest advantage out of anything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is one of those weird situations where some youth and, and uh, that that Ivy League uh, education in the front office certainly uh, gave them an advantage over some of the old curmudgeons around the league, I'm sure, uh, when it comes to that stuff. Um, all right, so if we take a look here at uh, what would you like guys like to do with David Njoku? So basically, he hired Drew Rosenhaus, and Rosenhaus, being the little worm that he is, uh, got him talked into wanting to leave immediately after all offseason. Uh, Njoku was tweeting about competition and how he loved it and they were going to get better and all this stuff. And changed his tune in two days with Rosenhaus. Hmm. Uh, where do you come out on Njoku? Uh, Zach, what do you think? I think it's in Njoku's best interest to play off this year in Cleveland. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a Rosenhaus thing. It's kind of been a trend here with him, with his clients, and that kind of worries me about someone coming up in the future that we just drafted, Jacob Phillips. But um, that being said, I think, honestly, take it back, it's for both of our best interests to keep Njoku this year. He Obviously, last year, Freddie Kitchens kind of just put him on the back burner after he got injured. Didn't play him a lot. So if he gets to kind of build up those stats this year, I I think we can trade him for either maybe another blockbuster trade, maybe some good draft capital coming in, which is what I think Barry would do would be more of a draft capital trade. But I think Najoku, if he got traded now, we're not going to get anything for him, especially after last season's stats. I don't think he's really worth anything special. He's not worth a third-round pick. Yeah, that's what they want as a third, supposedly, and I don't think they're going to get a third from anybody. Um, Mm. Alec, what do you think? I doubt they're going to get anything, and I don't know really what the the trade market's like for a tight end, especially one that drops more than he catches. His hands suck, so I don't know exactly what he's going to do and what he expects out of this, but, you know, he better shut his damn mouth and, you know, start making amends and, you know, making sure that the relationships are still there with his teammates of the Cleveland Browns, because I mean, he, he showed up. He showed up to training camp. That's all we can ask right now. He did, but Duke Johnson did too, and he got traded pretty quickly. So what what I'm saying is I don't think he's going to get traded. I think he knows he's not going to get traded, and I think he's just wants to complain because we got a really good tight end for a lot of money. So, I mean, if he does get traded, give me a couple of – And drafted a good one. 
Exactly. Yeah. Do Do you think that's what his biggest concern is? Is that he thought he was going to get that Austin Hooper contract? Basically, we he thought we were going to make him the highest paid tight end in the league. I don't know what he's thinking because honestly, if he knew anything about this offense, he's going to get a ton of looks in it. They, you know, they run yeah. so much twelve and twenty one personnel. He's going to be on the field probably more than he has his whole career. Uh, I mean, if he could fill that Irv Smith Jr. role. You know, as a second tight end of what Minnesota did, there's a lot of numbers there to be had and a mm-hmm. lot of mismatches. So really, it would be better for him to have just shut his mouth and gone to camp and made sure that he won the two job over Harrison Bryant, who is an excellent pass catcher, by the way. Now, neither of them can block, and neither, but they both are good, you know, good pass catchers. So we'll see what happens. Here's my thing is, like, I'm so, like, so over the years with the Browns, so many people, you know, that haven't really wanted to be here, end up here, or came here for their final paycheck or whatever, and we got screwed over, you know what I mean? So yeah. for me, I'm, like, really sensitive about the asking for a trade thing. Like, Duke Johnson asked for a trade. See ya, motherfucker. I don't want, you know, I don't want you here like you were a, a great player on two of the worst teams I've ever seen. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, and, 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 and Joku comes out and says this. I'm like, my first reaction is like, you don't want to be here. I don't fucking want you here. Like, yeah. that's how I feel. But after calming down, you kind of say, okay. Yeah, he could be productive. Is is Harrison going to be ready right away? Probably not. David and Joe, who doesn't come across as a guy that's going to be a malcontent in the locker room, so I guess I'm okay with him being there uh, and seeing how this plays out in camp. Um, but my first reaction is, like, you don't want to be here? I don't want you here. But that's yeah, kind I, of the Browns fan in me. That, that, that. That, that's kind of how I reacted to. I was kind of a asshole on Twitter, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the one who the thing hell that does I this guy will think say, he is? the one thing I will say is that you know has stuck with me from Freddie Fatass is <laughs> don't wear orange and if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. You know, <laughs> if he doesn't want to wear orange and brown, that's fine. You don't matter to us. We don't need you. We don't need you dropping wide open passes. We don't need you. We don't need you complaining about, oh, I was supposed to get paid much much more. And, you know, I thought I was going to be a bigger part when you're going to be bound for at least a playoff run. We don't need you. If you yeah, want to stick around it. and shut your, if you want to stick around and shut the hell up. Yeah, that's fine. If you're going to run your damn mouth. Bye. Thanks. I don't, later. I don't get it. I don't get it. We're finally on the up for real this time. And now we got someone like him who's been through it all with us, basically. And oh, you know, exactly. trade me, trade yeah. me, like. Yeah, he's been here since the bad, you know. And now you got studs all around you, and you want to go. That's yeah. crazy to me. Um, so Stefanski had his presser today, guys. Did you guys listen to any of it? Yeah, I did a little bit. I zoomed. I zoomed in. So the main, I mean, it was a whole lot of nothing, which is great because basically Hugh Jackson talked way too much 
and talked about everything that a head coach is not supposed <laughs> to say, right? And, yeah. and Freddie just talked about everything under the sun, including things he wasn't supposed to say about his team. So it's actually nice to have a head coach use some tact when he's up there, you know, at his media availability and keep some things secret, you know. But mm. one of the things that we lose when we lose our preseason, right, so no preseason games this year, is they were going to determine who was going to call the plays, supposedly, during the preseason, uh, Van Pelt or Stefanski. Do you guys have thoughts on this? So Stefanski in his presser today said they have come to a decision. So they eliminated the games. They have come to a decision, but he didn't want to tell us what that decision was. Uh, I think I know what it is. If you take a wild guess, but tell me where you come out with play calling. Uh, I think deciding that in the preseason is stupid in the first place. Uh, but really, what do you think, Alec? Play calling, is it Stefanski? Is it Van Pelt? It's Hugh Jackson. He's still looking at the tape. Do, do you have a preference on one of these two? All, all that matters is if they, if whoever the hell calls the plays calls them correctly and we win games. That's all that matters to me. It doesn't matter to me who calls the plays. You know, I think Stefanski's a good offensive mind, but I also have confidence in Van Pelt. I, I don't, you know, I don't care. If they do good, I don't care. Yeah, it's it's Stefanski. That's, that's what, what I, I think. That's what I would yeah. say. I think Van Pelt's there to build a relationship with Baker, Coach Baker, a little bit more because, I mean, he has a respect of Aaron Rodgers who doesn't respect anyone. So I, I really do think Stefanski's going to call the plays. Look what he did in Minnesota alone. So, yeah. I, 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 I don't. To me, it never really made sense to have Van Pelt call him anyways. They say he has experience calling him, but it's not even experience in the NFL calling plays. Yeah. Right? Isn't it in some other league that he was at for a hot minute that he called plays? Yeah, I don't think it was the NFL. I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't. So, I mean, let's be real here. That's. I, I'm not signing up for that. We, you know, we hired you to come here, put this offense in, and call the plays. That's how I feel. Yeah. But I mean, if that's too much for him, which it was too much for Freddie, then. Then he shouldn't have got hired, basically. But I think it is he. He'll handle it fine. He comes across as an extremely organized and detail oriented guy, so I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be a concern uh, he, of he, mine he, at all. He he reminds me of one of those young offensive gurus. So he does. He does. Yeah, <clears throat> I really think I really think he he was hired here to be the guy. I mean, I think the reason we passed on uh, what's his face from Indian uh, from New England. I mean, uh, um, yeah, McDaniel's. I think we passed on him because I think he wanted to do like what you alluded to earlier. Brad was come in here, clear the blow roster out, yeah, blow it up, and do it the Patriot way, and that would mean bye bye Baker basically too. So I'm happy. We, I'm, ha- I'm happy that ship sailed. Yeah, I I gotta be honest. I, at the time, I wanted McDaniel's. Yeah, me honest. too. Me too. Um, and, and I think he was a big. I think he actually liked Baker. You know, the reports were that he really liked Baker a lot. So I don't know if it would have meant the end of Baker for him. But I was ready at that time. I was so frustrated. And I really have been a big Josh McDaniels fan my whole life. Uh, You know, so I just kind of was like, you know, hometown boy, makes good, comes home, you know, fixes everything. Uh, That's what they need. But um, now that we're here, I've been extremely impressed by Stefanski, and, and he has my confidence at this point. Yeah. Alec, thoughts on that? 
you know, I was I was excited that we had a coach that actually knew what the hell they were doing. Freddie didn't know what he was doing. Hugh knew what he was doing, but you know what Hugh he knows how to do. Yeah, and and let me elaborate. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She knows how to lose. That's what he does. <laughs> no. Kevin Hugh, Hugh knew how to point the fingers. That's what Hugh knew how to do. He knew how to point Hugh, the fingers at yeah. Hugh, 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 Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson knew how to do a couple of things. He knew how to point fingers, he knew how to watch film, and he knew how to shop on Wayfair. So you got to be careful on all of the options that you have here. But in terms of Kevin Stefanski, he knows what he's talking about. He knows the game of football. He's coached really good football players. And he knows what to do in situations. Freddie didn't know that. Hugh didn't know that. Yeah, they didn't know how to be head coaches. Let's, yeah, they, they might know football, but Hugh really did not know how to be a head coach. The, only, the one skill that he had that other head coaches have is he had kind of a little bit of a politician in him, right? He always found a way to kind of come out on the, on the you know, not looking great, but a little bit better than the other guy, right? So the other guy yeah. got fired, and he got to stick around and, and, and lose more games. So, I mean, it, it was ridiculous, and, and the whole thing infuriates me because, yeah. Uh, just yeah, I think back to that that uh, uh, hard knocks, and it just you know. What the one the one where he says this is my ship now or basically or something like that. Yeah, and and then the, the you know the guy that's the running backs coach is questioning him. Fast forward a year, he's the head coach. Like, <laughs> what world are we living in that that is possible? Even. Oh my gosh! So Dor- Dorsey wanted this, yes, man. And I saw a tweet earlier. It was uh, the same guy that drafted the highest paid uh, player in the league is doesn't have a job because he also hired Freddie Kitchens. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Incredible. Incredible stuff. Um, all right, so let's uh, take a look here. We, we kind of talked Baker, make or break already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. And we did that. So I want to look at – so let's get some – these top fives. I got I to gotta hear what you guys say about this. All right, so AFC North power rankings here on All Eyes on Cleveland, Feeling Dangerous, Collaboration. We're going to break them down for you. Top five wide receivers in the AFC North. I got numbers here. I got all kinds of stuff. I want to hear what you guys say. I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit. But uh, do you have your top fives? I can go off the top of my head. Okay. Let, let's hear it. I'm ready. All right. So top five wide receivers in the AFC North. I got yes. Jarvis. Jarvis at number one. Okay. Jarvis at one. He's the most consistent one in the AFC North. And then, of course, I got to go OBJ. He's okay. right He's right behind him there. Um, I like Hollywood Brown. I really do from the Ravens. I really like Hollywood Brown. Um, AJ Green, I got to put him on there just because, you know, he's he's had that career. And I, I don't know. I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I guess I'll do my sleeper. I like Richard Higgins over even Juju Smith-Schuster. So I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Richard Higgins. Interesting, Alex. Do you have a top five for me? I do indeed, sir. My top one or my first is Odell Beckham Jr. Wide receiver out of LSU. Um, I don't know why I said out of LSU. We all know where he came from. We all know what he does. Um, <laughs> it's quite all right. You're a professional. My second is going to be Tyler Boyd, 
wide receiver from okay. I don't know where. My mm. third <laughs> is Jarvis Landry, and it's a close second third. Tyler Boyd had a hell of a year last year. He did. And I'm not I'm not going to take anything away from him. I'm not going to pull any punches. He had a hell of a year. Jarvis Landry's at three. Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma, Baker's former teammate, is at four. And at five, I am going to give you T. Higgins. T. Higgins oh, yeah. out of Clemson. He was a stud. He was a stud in college. God damn and, it, Alec. And at the, very, at the very end, you notice I did not mention anybody in Pennsylvania. I noticed you didn't. Now, uh, all right, so you stole my sleeper, you son of a bitch. All right. Uh, <laughs> OBJ at one is what I got, right? Uh, Jarvis Landry, two. T. Higgins, three. I think he'll be the best wide receiver on that team next year. Oh, for sure. Uh, I forgot Tyler about him. Boyd at four and James Washington at five. Okay. I like that. Here's why. Uh, let me give you some numbers. Let me give you some numbers, gentlemen. James, Washington, James Washington led the uh, Steelers in receiving last year with 735 yards and three touchdowns. Second was Deontay Johnson with 680 and five. Third was Juju with 552 and three. He fell off the map. Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd caught for over 1,000 yards and uh, five touchdowns. A.J. Green is 31 years old and injury prone. Uh, T. Higgins and Joe Burrow will be an automatic connection. Uh, so that is why I have OBJ, Jarvis, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, James Washington. I like that list. That's a respectful list. Okay. Gentlemen, I, let's I for- go. Go ahead. I, I just say I forgot about T. Higgins, man. That, yeah. that, that dude can play. He can play. And you got to think about Burrow being the, the, the uh, pistol man now. So uh, I think that changes things in, in Cincinnati. Unfortunately, this league is, just keeps getting good quarterbacks into it. Um, Joe Burrow yeah, got a rookie deer, uh, a hell of a rookie deer, $36 million, which is only $4 million more than Baker that got. But you know what? The, the you know, prodigy of Athens, Ohio, got paid. Okay? Yeah. He got paid. Wait, Athens, one of you guys go to OU? My brother does. Okay. All right. All right. I went to OU for three years, and then I had to leave because I was failing out. Because I was partying too much, and then I came and, uh, and, and finished uh, my got my degree at Kent State University. But I lived okay. in Athens for three years, three and a half years. So. I'll tell you something: Joe Burrow did a hell of a good job fundraising for the city of Athens, Ohio. That made me so happy to see. Yeah, it's yeah. all Athens is known is for OU, and it's unfortunate. So you know, the when he won the Heisman, and he, I think he's. From what he had said in his Heisman speech, he raised, I think, at least $50,000. Yeah, he was uh, terrific uh, in rep- representing where he's from, for sure. A lot of guys uh, forget the little people, and he did not. I like Joe Burrow a lot. He seems like a he's got a good head on his shoulders and a uh, good guy, for sure. 
I can't like. wait for his teammate to pick his ass off, though. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that as well. Um, absolutely. Me neither. Running backs, guys. So this is this gets tricky, too, when you look at the mm-hmm. FC North, right? So I need the top five running backs from... We'll start with you this time, Alec. Um... Let's go with number one, Nick Chubb. Obviously, there's no doubt about it. Um, number two, Kareem Hunt. He had in the eight games that he played last year, he showed mm-hmm. his value. Number three, I have Mark Ingram the second. You know, he was a former Heisman as well in his own right. He, you know, he came from the Saints. He did amazing things last year, as much as we all hate to admit it. Um, number four is going to be J.K. Dobbins. You know, we all know J.K. Dobbins. There's not much else to say. Number five. My number five is... My number five is going to be... Dearness Johnson. Oh, okay. Dearness Johnson of the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my goodness. Because I don't want to mention the Pittsburgh Steelers. You, for, you 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 did you did forget one person in the AFC North, but I'll get to him. Ah oh, shit! You forgot a couple, actually. In my yeah. Opinion. Go right. ahead. Go. All right. Let's go ahead. You're up. So uh, number one, I'm gonna go Nick Chubb. Obviously, that's I don't even have to say it. Two, I'm gonna go Mark Ingram. Mm. Uh, three, three, I'm gonna go Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, I'll go Kareem Hunt, and then five, just because he's an OSU boy, I'll go uh, J.K. Dobbins. Oh, okay. shit, I did forget uh, Joe Mixon. He beats yeah, the you shit did. out of people. Oh, wait, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. He does. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll go. Uh, so I, I went Nick Chubb, and then I went Joe Mixon, too. Uh, okay. Joe Mixon is extremely talented. I mean, he is yeah. a freak talent and that's why i have him over ingram ingram i think was more of a product of the offense i mean he's a great runner don't get me wrong yeah but i think he's more of a product of the offense than mixon is just a really good back uh so i'm gonna go chubb mixon hunt mark ingram james connor okay See, I'm not. I'm not a big James Conner guy. I can't put Dobbins on that list with Ingram still there. Yeah, I mean he's not going to get many touches, is he? You never. We don't know. know. They 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 might do that two headed monster in the backfield. So I mean, we don't know how many touches Hunt's going to get either. But on talent alone in the NFL, we've seen. I mean, he led the NFL in rushing as a rookie. Yeah. So I mean, he's got that clout, right? Yeah, I don't know what, what what's up with James Conner. I'm just I'm just not a big James Conner guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big Pittsburgh guy in general. But top five. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm not a you know I'm not a Pittsburgh fan by any. any yeah. Oh, obviously I fucking not. Hate the Steelers. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I just think he belongs on the list. Yeah, I mean, I, many many people would agree with you. I just I don't know. I guess. I mean, two years ago, yeah, James Conner was on that list for me. But last year, I think Pittsburgh kind of just fell off, man. They, 
obviously they have a better record than us because they just have one of those proven coaches that can lead a team just based off their defense. But yeah, yeah. Now you know they have a guy named uh, Benny Snell. Okay. Yeah, you want to keep an eye on in Pittsburgh as well. Benny you Snell know. beat the shit out of us in the second game we played against them. That's for sure. Yeah, he can tote the rock for sure. Uh, so, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't put Hollywood Brown in the, in the wide receivers. I, I know you guys put him in there, right? Uh, I stayed I, away from him just because. I mean, seven touchdowns is nice, but 584 yards is underwhelming for me. That's fair. I mean, I get it. He's also playing an offense where he's not going to – that's what he's there to do is catch the long ball, right? So I, I get it. He's good. He's a good wide receiver for sure. Um, I just, don't, just didn't have him in the top five. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to a collaboration effort between the Feeling Dangerous podcast and All Eyes on Cleveland. And it has been glorious so far, if you have uh, had the pleasure to listen. We're going to uh, jump ahead here and talk about, uh, before we get you up and out of here, let's talk this top 100, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a <laughs> joke. What a freaking joke. So there all kinds of, there's all kinds of lists out there, all right? I don't know if you guys are Chris Sims fans at all, but he does the top 40 quarterback list that seems to get a lot of attention right and I kind of like Chris I value his opinion you know he played in the league his dad you know he's been around it his whole life and he watches a lot of tapes I I respect his opinion so when I look at this up 100 list and I see Breeze at 12 Brady at 14 and Rogers at 16 I almost threw up um (laughs) But let, let's talk about, I mean, it gets bad. I mean, it's bad all over the place. So let's talk about how they come up with this list. This is a by-the-players list, right? Yeah. So they sit down, supposedly, I, this is what I heard. They sit down with a guy, right, and they ask him to give, like, their top 25 players in the NFL. Huh. So, I heard it was top 10. You see, you heard it was top 10. So there you go. I don't even know. But I heard, give me your top 25 players. Say, it's give me your top 10 players. I, I See, if they, if, if they gave you top 10 players, I don't even, I think they would run out of votes at like 50. How would they even come up with 100 players if it was only 10? Yeah. Like, wouldn't uh, the same 10 players come up over and over? Yeah, it would be majority of the time, definitely. I mean, top 10 is pretty slim pickings there. Right, I mean, and then so like where the where you get some discrepancy, I think would be after ten. So I don't know, but I'm not gonna. I'm not here to argue with. I'm not not trying to argue with you, Alec. I apologize. I was just saying. Wow. You know, I'm just trying to make sense of this ridiculous list. Um, no, I I agree, but like, I mean, if we if I can just go into it really quick, you know, yeah. three Browns made the list. Four, actually, excuse me. Four Miles Garrett, yeah. Miles Garrett at 80, Jarvis at 61, Odell Beckham 59, and Nick Chubb at 36. Let's start with Miles at 80 and how absurd that is. My gosh. Like, how? How, I think how does Dave... about the fact that he beat the hell out of a guy with his own helmet. No, I yeah, agree. but then, but, but then, then you give Jadavian Clowney a higher rating and he had three sacks in 14 games. Well, 
That's that's the problem with this list, right? Is guys know Jadavian Clowney's name because he's a high profile yeah, guy. Is, it, is this a friendship list? Like, is that what it's coming down to? It partially, probably. I mean, guys are going to bring up their friends before they bring up other guys, right? Yeah. But it's also about like, okay, so who do you respect on the other side of the ball? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you didn't hear Miles Garrett's name for the last six weeks of the season and they asked you for a list in December, I mean, he's probably not on a lot, right? Yeah. I think I think uh, uh, Mason Rudolph's loyal lawyer father got him into the NFL Top 100 and wrote Miles Garrett at 80. I think so, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... But that's that's a shame. I mean, that's ridiculous. The guy had ten sacks in ten games, right? And was in the running for defensive player of the year when he clubbed Rudolph over the head. So I mean Which as we said was deserved. Which was you know, totally justified in my opinion. Yeah, I mean I said that in uh on one of our podcast episodes and I think it was Bobby was like that, that you shouldn't say that that was bad. I'm like, no, it was definitely justified. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at this point, I mean, if I would have said that like the day after, I probably would have taken some heat. But at this point, I mean, Mason Rudolph is just an absolute tool. And, you know, I, I really don't care about him at all. Yeah. I hope, you know, I hope somebody else on another team does it so we don't have to feel the repercussions. But, I mean, he, he was fine, right? He, got, he, was, he was fine. Nothing happened. I mean, yeah, he mm-hmm. could have been bad, but nothing happened. He got hit in the head. He looked like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> End of story. Uh, but Miles at 80 is a shame. What do you think of the Jarvis OBJ, 6159? Uh, I mean, I guess that's a little more justified just based off how strong wide receivers are in the league. But, I mean, when you talk, when you talk about competitors, man, Jarvis alone, I think he deserves to be higher. Alec? I mean, first and foremost, I think it's kind of funny that Jarvis and Odell, the two best friends and brothers, are so close to each other. But on a serious note, Jarvis improved from 80, which is what Miles Garrett's at. Um, mm-hmm. He improved almost 20 slots, which is good. Odell Beckham fell back a bit because of injuries and because of underproduction, which is fair. I understand where they come from. The one thing that, you know, the one thing I don't understand is. Nick Chubb, and we'll get yeah. into that here in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, go ahead, because that's what I was going to say next. Is Chubb, I can live with Jarvis and OBJ where they're at because exactly what you said. You said that perfectly. Because Jarvis makes the jump, and it's well-deserved, right? He mm-hmm. and, and OBJ falls back, and that's deserved. So, but Chubb at 36... Sounds okay at first, right? At first it sounds okay, but then you see Dalvin Cook at 21 and Derrick Henry at, what, fucking 10? Are you kidding me? Yeah, my God. Are they smoking with Josh fucking Gordon? Are they really smoking drugs with Josh Gordon? It's like like Johnny Manziel made this list, dude. That's what it looks like. (laughs) That's a terrible decision. Yeah. I mean... I get that there's there are a lot of people better than Nick Chubb, but I mean, like Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is not 
even in the same league. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, I will, I will, I will give a, I will give a small pass. He was the leading rusher last year. I will but give him credit. Not, but he's not fucking ten overall, and he passed yeah. him. Yeah. I'm and not he saying that he's him on the last week of the season when he went off for 200 plus yards. I mean, it was over. Chubb had it. Yeah. I mean, no, I ag- I agree with you. I'm not saying that it deserves to be 10, but I deserve. Not, I think that that based on the production that Derrick Henry had, especially during that playoff run, he was sunning every son of a bitch on that field. True. I think that Derrick Henry deserves to be a little. Uh, I des- I think Derrick Henry should be a above Nick Chubb, but not by much. Maybe if... Like if, 25? If, if, if we I had Chubb, Chubb higher... Be in the top 25. Yeah, absolutely. Chubb should be in the top 25, I think I think Derrick Henry should be top 20. I would, I would concur. I, I, I like, agree yeah. with that. I, I, agree I agree with that. I agree. Now, if you look at... Now, what... <laughs> what the hell happened at the top of this list here? Can I, I can have... I can I interject for a second? Yes. What the fuck? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's just no. stressful to even look at. Honestly, five, it is. The it's... guy that makes five hundred goddamn million dollars, ninety six bucks a minute, is four again. And the bar it's fucking Jackson is one. What the? What kind of? Bullshit are they on? Whatever drugs they're smoking or butt chugging, I gotta try that shit. <laughs> oh man. Uh dude, I couldn't have said it any better. That I mean, jaw droppingly bad and horrendous. Like if you took these votes from these players and you had them all and you added them all up or whatever, you know concoction you have to figure out this 100 and this is how it comes up you say uh no wait a minute something's wrong right here right it, right i mean common sense I, well i can't put mahomes in four and lamar jackson and fucking russell wilson above him <laughs> i mean yeah oh, yeah he's the third best quarterback in the nfl my ass Come on. Dude, it, and, and pe- people made the excuse of, oh, but Lamar Jackson won MVP last year. Well, Mahomes won MVP last year and was at four, and this year he won Super Bowl MVP and was at four. Let's so, be real. Lamar yeah. Jackson and Mahomes is not even a contest. No. One on okay. I mean, he, Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball outside the numbers. Mahomes can throw it 80 yards down the field outside the numbers a dime. Mahomes can throw it behind his back 80 yards. Yeah, I mean... So here's my thing. If I was redoing the top ten, or no, well, I'm going to do top five because I know the top five off the top of my head. I got it here for you. Uh, I got, uh, yeah, why not? Give me the top ten. Let, let's reshuffle, gentlemen. Shall we? We let's shall. <laughs> uh, all right. Bringing this up here. Oh, I'm in the 30s. Hang on. Well, first of all, Tyreek Hill should not be in the 20s. Um I don't think. I have it right here. Are you faster than me? All right, go ahead. Yep. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, Pat Mahomes, Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Gilmore, Derrick Henry. Yeah, I don't that's, have that's Henry. the original top ten. I don't have Henry in the top ten. I will say my top ten. Patrick Mahomes. 
Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Drew Brees. You have Drew Brees in your top ten? I have Drew Brees in my top ten. Alec. Yeah, Alec. I was going to say that you absolutely hit that nails. I was going to say you absolutely hit that nails until you you said that. Drew Brees is in the top ten. Okay, who's your ten? Who's your ten? Well, it's the uh, the same as yours. So first five, exact same, right? Would you say it's six? I said, what was it? I said, I think I said McCaffrey. Uh, no, I said McCaffrey at five. Uh, I said Thomas at. Uh, I don't have Thomas Michael at Thomas. six. I don't have Thomas ha- in my top ten. I have Thomas in mine. I think I had him at six. Then I had Julio in there as well. I forgot. Off the, I just spewed it. I already forgot. But yeah, you you killed it. You killed it up until that point. All right, so. Yeah, so I'll go I'll go with you up till 5 and then I would say um wh- what about Stephen Gilmore? He's top 10. He's the best corner in the league. He's 6. I'll go Julio, Julio Jones, Hopkins, Kittle, And uh, so, and then my number ten would be uh, Khalil Mack. Yeah, really, Khalil Mack's definitely in my top ten for sure. So, but here's the issue I have with with uh, with Michael Tom. I'll, I'll, Michael Thomas and Breeze are always going to put up tremendous numbers, right? But they are a product of Sean Payton's offense. That mm-hmm. quick hit offense. Breeze can't even throw the ball thirty yards anymore, bro. Yeah, I don't. But I mean, regardless, he, regardless, he still produces a lot of good numbers. Right, he does. I'm just saying, if you're, if we're just measuring pure quarterback ability, like he's nowhere near the top ten anymore. He used to be, but like, yeah, he can still function in that offense because all they ask him to do is throw quick outs and little slants and drag routes and underneath hitches and all kinds of they He doesn't throw the ball down the field at all. But that's what that offense does. It picks you apart that way, right? It's got weapons all over the place, and that's how they do it. And he's excellent at it, and he's incredibly accurate. But, but in putting in another offense where you're asked to throw the ball down the field, he can't do it. Just like Brady at 14. Brady is not the 14th best player in the NFL anymore. I mean, there's some, some significant fall off in his game. Where would you put Tom Brady? Don't give me. You don't have to give me an exact number. Give me a rough. Yeah, I I'd put him probably in a, 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 like fifty to sixty. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, they have him at fourteen. Breeze, I would put Breeze in the same boat. Okay. And I would put Rodgers at, like, 12. Because Rodgers, to me, still has the talent. But they just got Jordan Love, so what the hell's going on with that? Maybe he's well, on the decline. Yeah, I mean, that just makes... That, that just makes good and, good and cunts 
an idiot, or however you say his name. I mean, that's that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen is them taking Jordan Love, in my opinion. Yeah, they should have got him weapons. They should have got Aaron Rodgers more weapons. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just openly talked about, like, two days ago that basically he talked about his team in the past tense, basically. Like, he's probably going to play one more year and then be out of there. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. Yeah, you got to get the guy some weapons. The only weapon they got him, he already opted out. Funches. Yeah. And he didn't even play last year. So that's two years in a row, right? Yep. I mean, I liked Devin Funches when he was with Cam, but I don't know. Am I crazy about the quarterback thing? No, no. I mean, I agree with you. I just don't understand how they can put Lamar Jackson one. Like it's like it's like they felt like they had to. I just don't understand it. It's like it's like this, right? Like so. I heard somebody say this so they were talking about Lamar Jackson and Mahomes and Russell right and they're like well if Russell was in a better offense you know that was you know because they don't run the best offense there he just kind of does it himself a lot of times right and and but Lamar is a product of what the offense right everything they put around him now he's a tremendous player don't get me wrong but if they wouldn't have taken that offense and built it exactly for him then he wouldn't be doing what he is, right? Mm -hmm. So now Mahomes, you could stick him in any offense he wanted to, and he would make it successful. So they're like, people are like, well, I don't understand how you can negatively come down on someone for not building around a player. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying as a pure quarterback, the best quarterback is Mahomes. Yeah, oh, hands down. any offense you put him in. Lamar Jackson put in an offense where he's asked to throw the ball multiple times and come back late in a game and doesn't have all the gimmicks and and speed sweeps and and options and, you know, all the stuff that they've put into place for him. He's not going to be the same kind of player. He's just not. Put, Put Lamar Jackson with Freddie Kitchens last year. Oh, put, I mean, shit. I don't even yeah, know if Mahomes could have made it through that. that but that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it, it, It's about your scheme. And, like, I don't know. I just – he went from unranked to the number one player on the NFL top 100 list. Or or the, this, this list didn't always be a joke. It was not always a joke. No. I, I mean, I the thing is, it's like, okay, the players picked it. But it's just wrong this year. It started pissing me off right from the start, right? Usually, yeah, like, yeah. okay, that's about right. But, I mean, as soon as I heard Miles at 80, I was looking at it sideways. And that's and when then, it started really going downhill, was exactly. Miles at 80. Yeah. And if we really examined it, we could, I could find probably a lot of guys that I disagree with above 50 that I think should be below 50. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What do you think, Alec? This this just went to a lot of bullshit, just in my opinion. Yeah. Like the second, like you said it, you know, second that uh, you know, second we saw Miles go to eighty, I'm just like, up, oh, that's bullshit. I'm done. I feel you. I mean, I'll even, tell you what, even guys, go ahead. Even Tyrone Smith, the tackle from Dallas, he got seventy eight. He's probably one of the best offense linemen in the league. Last year he was fifty two. So. 
craziness. It's wild craziness. It makes no sense. I don't know what happened. I um, I just saw a little bit of an update um, from the Jamie Gillen situation that we talked about at the beginning of the show, and I kind of want to bring it to light really quick. This is going to be breaking news a little bit. Um, on Tuesday, he tested positive for the antibodies of COVID-19, okay. and then yesterday, he actually tested positive. Okay. Huh? Because I know weird, I right. Yeah, you're not I know supposed I supposed to shut antibodies until you're out of the two week period. Well, that 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 that's what happened. He uh he said he got it at a Fourth of July party, or like at after the Fourth of July. I couldn't even say it was a party. That that that's kind of a twist on my part. But yeah, he got it after the Fourth of July. Went through the two week quarantine then got tested positive for the antibodies and then came back and got tested positive again and he said he was even shocked so so basically it should be showing negative at this point cuz he's no yes. longer showing symptoms and he has the antibodies but somehow that's that's, still that's what he positive. said that's what he said yeah well, they'll get that sorted out yeah they will don't you think easily i hope so i mean they got plenty of time. I mean, it's not like he needs to be lifting weights or anything here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, tell you guys, I had an absolute blast tonight. I don't know about you guys, but uh, oh, definitely, man. This has been an awesome time. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, spending uh, some time with you guys, Zach DeFranco. Follow him on Twitter at CLE Zach D and Alec Sapolin in Oregon at Alex Zeppelin on Twitter. Must follows. If you're a Browns fan, an NFL fan, please go follow. And more importantly, go follow um, the Feeling Dangerous podcast, which is, what is it, at FD? Podcast C-L-E. There you go. It rhymes. At FD <laughs> Podcast C-L-E. And uh, go to Spotify and Apple and subscribe to it. Uh, these gentlemen know their stuff, and they're entertaining and professional. And it was a, a, the collaboration was a rousing success, I would say, gentlemen. Yeah, very I fun, man. Yep. Any parting words here before we get out of here? Um, go ahead, I mean, Alec. I mean, first and foremost, Brad, thank you again so much for having us. We really, really enjoyed it. We hope to do this again in the future, maybe this time on a little bit of different turf. Maybe you come on our show, maybe here in the future as well. Um, you know, like like how you said, make sure to follow us on Twitter at FD Podcast Clee. You can follow me at Alex Zaplin, Zach at Clee Zach D. You can also uh, try to, you know, Subscribe to the Feeling Dangerous podcast. We try to do podcasts every Tuesday night. Get them up in, by, so you can listen to them Wednesday morning on the way to work. Um, you can find that on Spotify, iTunes, uh, and Podbean. Just look up Feeling Dangerous. You'll see Baker Shotgun and the beer. Shout out to Cody Dowk. Um, <laughs> Zach, do you got anything? No, no man. I'm just, I had a blast. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, Brad. This is Getting back to the bases, getting back to the roots of football. I'm happy it's back. I'm happy sports are back. Oh. I mean, go Browns. Telling me. Tribe, uh, tri- I think Tribe won tonight. So, yeah. Uh, 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 Be- Bieber, Cy Young. So Bieber be ready. is, uh, that curveball is filthy. Uh, Bieber, so, yeah. Bieber, baby. 
Yeah, and uh, basketball was back tonight, so that was cool, too. I got to play DraftKings finally and, uh, you know, wager a little bit as I've been going a little crazy without it. So As uh, of right now, the, the Lakers are up six with less than five minutes to go in the fourth. Well, there you have it. Good update right there. Thank you, sir. You're a professional. You guys are gentlemen and scholars, and I appreciate it. And uh, I will uh, come on this, your show whenever you ask. I am there. Heck yeah, man. Uh, and uh, in my uh, slide into my DMs, give me both your T-shirt <laughs> size and your uh, address, and I'm sending you both all eyes on Cleveland T-shirts. Appreciate oh, that, man. Sick. Thank I you. Appreciate that. All right, gentlemen, we will talk, and thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Anytime. Absolutely awesome show. Zach DeFranco, Alex Sapelin of Feeling Dangerous Podcast in a collaboration effort with All Eyes on Cleveland. You can catch all episodes of All Eyes on Cleveland on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play will be published tomorrow morning at... USA Today Sports Media Groups, thebrownswire.com. It was was awesome. Those guys were awesome, and they came on the show and uh, just really got down to the nuts and bolts of everything Browns here as camp is underway. Uh, You got the update there at the end as Alec uh, with the update. Just something to keep an eye on there with Jamie Gillum and the antibodies test. Um, and you'll get updates on that if you go to brownswire.com. So um, without, uh, you know, uh, keeping you any longer, thank you so much for listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, Big shout-out to um, the Feeling Dangerous podcast. Make sure you go uh, and uh, subscribe there as they are uh, absolutely uh, was a blast to have them on. And... uh, Uh, That's it. That's it. All Eyes on Cleveland. Another episode. This one was a memorable one. Uh, Write it down. Take a picture. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. We are out. I never take a day off, work around the clock, my engineer getting paid off, rock like Ace Up, like the weed and take off, so high cannot see, ate off, now I got these rappers all breaking up a sweat, cause every time I get up on the mic I come correct, and I learned it from the best, always dressing something fresh, looking for a little dime, big button, nice chest, yes, they heard I used to rock guests, but now I'm rocking clothes that ain't in the stores yet, travel back in time, I'm in a vortex, trying to make a workout, think I need more. Reps. Used to take a bus, now the boy board jets Cause kids got me bustin' like a fucking hornet They say I got next, tell them that I got now It's all Disney, boy, my family proud Make them say L, make them say O The hoes that tell me yes, the same ones that tell you no 
whoa, I ain't just an average Joe, way above the average flow, boy, my life is most dope. No matter where life takes me, find me with a smile, pursuit to be happy, only laughing like a child. I never thought life would be this sweet, it got me cheesing from cheek to cheek, ay, ay. And I ain't get away for nothing, cause that just ain't my style. Life couldn't get better. This gon' be the best day ever If it ain't about the dream, then it ain't about me Go a couple full weeks without a good night's sleep Imagination, making musical creation The journey that I'm facing, plus the paper that I'm chasing Got me crazy after saying with the lanes I see you hating But there's nothing that you changing, thumbs up I'm maintaining No complaining when it's raining, I be in another zone Move out my mother's home to a world to call my own Gonna play around no more Find a difference from the ground and the floor If we gotta fight, I'll be down for the war Thumbs up, homie, I'll be sure No matter where life takes me Find me with a smile Pursuit to be happy on me laughing like a child I never thought life would be this sweet It got me cheesing from cheek to cheek ay, ay. And I ain't gonna wait for nothing Cause that just ain't my style Life couldn't get better This gon' be the best day ever